Welcome to Talking in Stations. It's May 24th, and today we're going to look at the leaders in their own words. We call this segment uh, that we do. Uh, what do we call it? Ah, what war leaders are saying. So we're going to hear from the fireside on the Imperium side. We're going to hear from the town hall on the legacy side. Uh, we'll compare those two uh, messaging messages from their leaderships, and we'll talk about it and try to get behind the scenes as to what may really be going on. But before we do that, we got my friend here, uh, Adderland. Adderland. Um, no! How are you doing, Adderland? I'm good. Adderland Denard. Um, Who Denard. is, by the way... Now you got me mispronounced my voice. <laughs> it's <yeah>. um, <laughs> Who is, by the way, our editor for our in-game uh, newspaper that we have. So Talking Stations has a newspaper in-game, so you can get a daily email that is basically what's gone on in 24 hours and it is like straight news it's not a lot of commentary not a lot of fluff it's literally just facts so adrian puts that together for us good evening everyone and today you have some headlines so what's going on out there first thing i had a brief uh retraction correction to do i uh i think it was last week we did a story on um the Strybog clade home system in Pochvin, uh, which I think is Weira Shoda. Forgive me if I'm mispronouncing that. Um, they have a Tatara there, which a, a battle was fought around. And in that story, I had said that it was originally a goon structure when it was placed there. Um, that was not accurate. What we figured out from the battle report was that during that one particular battle, a, a goon pilot was piloting it, and so it showed up on the battle report as a goon structure. Um, the Tatara is Strybog Clade. It was dropped there by Strybog Clade. Um, so that's the correction. Now, as far as what's going on currently, um, we had some interesting things. Uh, the Imperium, I'm not sure if they were just harassing Pappy or if this was a serious attempt to attack the Keepstar in uh, T5ZI-TAC-S, um, which is the system right outside of 1DQ. Um, yeah, so they sent um, 157 ship tornado fleet in um, they did a little bit of damage to the structure, and then they were destroyed. Pappy defended with uh, 202 ships, uh, a Munin Caracal fleet, um, and then it escalated a bit, not to capitals, but um, in all, the Imperium lost 507 ships, uh, 12 billion isk wor worth, and Pappy lost 80 ships valued at 5 billion isk. Um, so little movement there. Um, in Solitude, we had Dreadbomb and Purple Helmeted Warriors um, fighting with some wormhole groups. Uh, yeah. Scary wormhole people, manifesto, and I will end your hole. Um, so they came in with a uh, Dreadbomb came in with a Tengu Basilisk fleet. Scary Wormhole fought back with a Typhoon fleet, which was pretty much wiped out. Um, 
Dreadbomb lost 367 million, 12 ships, and Scary Wormhole People lost 31 ships valued at 16 billion ISK. Um, something going on currently that may have been mentioned in a previous episode, red versus blue and um, Ivy League, which is from EVE University, are right now having what is essentially like a training war. Um, the whole purpose of red versus blue is basically to teach people PvP. Um, they literally fight themselves in PvP battles to, uh, Stop hitting to yourself. teach new players. Stop hitting yourself. Basically. And so right now they are actually fighting students from EVE University in this sort of mock war. Um, they had a battle in uh, Hatakani, which is in... Forgive me for a moment. Hatakani. Let's take a look. Uh, a new window. The Citadel. And um, both sides had about 80 ships. Um, they were using a lot of the free ships which have been given out recently. Uh, Praxis, Gnosis. And... Um, Red versus blue came out on top. They lost, I'm sorry, Ivy League came out on top. Red versus blue lost 97 ships valued at 14.5 billion. Ivy League lost 150 ships valued at 7.9 billion. Um, probably a something going on right now that would be a lot of fun if you're if you're looking to get into PvP. Um, we had, let me see if I can find it here. I might have skipped over it. See what the commenters are doing. Uh, I had a battle report that I must not have in my notes here. Brave, for some reason, went into a wormhole. <laughs> Did, on and purpose? I was like, what? <laughs> on purpose or were they um, lost? Here, I know I've got it in the newspaper here. Let me pull it up real quick. Oh, this is All right, yeah. Uh, Brave with... A uh, corp called Prismatic Legion. Um, they destroyed some structures from a group called League of Better of Bitter Vagrants. Um, this was in the wormhole is J one two one seven zero six. Some of the local wormhole groups defended Singularity Syndicate, uh, Stellar Pathfinders, Dark Side D. Um, they were fighting in what I call mixed fleets. I like to, usually when I talk about a battle report, I like to break down like the one or two largest groups of ships they were using. Like, I'll, okay, they, they had Munins, they had Jackdaws, they had whatever. Um, Brave was fighting with like 10 different types of Tech 2 ships. And the Wormholes groups they were fighting were fighting with like 10 different types of Tech 2 ships. Um, but Brave's group ended up destroying an Ostrahouse and an Athenor. Um, losses estimated at 11 billion ISK. Um, not sure that this had anything to do with the, the, the main war in Delve. They probably were just looking for content or something. This is an example of the newspaper, and this is, gets written every day. So you're talking about uh, wormholes. That story there. Yeah. In tribute, um, UMI, TAC-KK, Fraternity, and Northern Coalition are making some moves in tribute. 
Um, they're fighting We Form Volta and Toilet Paper. That's um, a new war. Yeah, Fraternity came in with uh, 552 ships. Scimitar Moon and Fleet, like you would see on the main Delve front. Um, Volta had about half as many ships, Tengus and Scimitars. Um, and Volta took much heavier losses. They lost 25 billion isk worth of ships wow. and equipment. Look at those NC numbers, 166. That's bigger than Fraternity at 153. Northern Coalition really showing up. Some people are kind of starting to get worried about Fraternity because they're lately have been expanding in like all directions. Um, let's see what else. Doesn't look like NC's worried about them. It's like they're no. right there with them. No, people who are friends with fraternity are not worried about fraternity, but um, the initiative and snuffed out uh, attacked Army of Mango Alliance in uh, Esoteria. Uh, R-TAC A-R-K-N. Um, the initiative came in with 305 ships, legions, and kikimoras. Um, Army of Mango formed up with 221 ships, and they dropped some su some uh, super capitals. Erebus and Avatar Titan, a uh, bunch of Nicks, uh, Cerebuses, and Jackdaws. Um, so the initiative seems to have destroyed most of the Jackdaws they had on field and then pulled out. Um, the initiative ends up losing 99 ships valued at 10 billion ISK. Army of Mango lost 229 ships valued at 37 billion ISK. Um, All right. So based on what I've been reading recently, the initiative is kind of out there in, in different regions, kind of just um, attacking whatever seems juicy. And... Uh, so a lot of lot of lot going on today. Yeah. All right. So thank you very much. A great overview. That all that stuff is in detail in the Eve Online newspaper that we publish uh, daily, and you can get that in game. We don't distribute it anywhere except inside of Eve Online. And uh, so the way that you get that is, uh, you want to go to your mail client. And at the bottom left, that's your email client inside the game. Bottom left is a button. You hit that button. It's called Add Mailing List. And you want to add the mailing list called TIS News. You'll have to type it in yourself. So that's TIS, then there's a space, and then News. And, uh, and then you will be part of that uh, delivery. You'll have a paper boy bring it to you every day. <laughs> and by the way, as long as we're here, I don't usually show this, but this is our schedule. As you can see, uh, shows and shows and shows and writing and writing and writing. And this is all like, you know, what we do uh, every day to prepare for you guys. So thank you, uh, Adrieland Denonard, for all that work that you do. No problem. And appreciate you stopping by. It was a pleasure. For me too. All right. So I'm going to now move over to the... Um, next part of the program, which is one of the things that I, I think was a big success when we did it uh, the first time. It took like four hours. It was a three-hour show. Uh, and these things always run long because we have to play their audio, and then I have to try to add some, call it some context to it to give you a better uh, understanding of what the leaders are saying when 
they're talking to their guys. And so that's what we're doing today. Last time, I think we started with legacy. So this time, actually, last time we started with tests. So this time we're going to start with um, the fireside from the Imperium. <clears throat> Just open this up a little. And uh, what the big theme, actually, before we start, there's more than two alliances that or coalitions that met yesterday. NC dot actually met as well. Uh, we did not get a recording of NC dots, but we did get some notes and <clears throat> Vince Draken assembled um, NC and they talked about Blarpies, which are harpies, probably with blasters. Uh, I don't actually know the doctrine. Oh, it's close range tackle harpies. And that means probably blasters. So Blarpies. And uh, that's a new doctrine that they want to use. Now, normally when you have allies fighting uh, in a war, because you have mixed fleets, you will see a doctrine a ripple across multiple coalitions, multiple alliances, so that they are all prepared to fly together. So I assume, and I, I'm pretty sure it's confirmed, that TEST will be using these as well, and so forth. And we'll see what those are for a little bit later. Uh, they want to have jump clones and drone lands. Well, probably they're um, looking to defend against initiative uh, shenanigans out there. So they're taking that seriously. And then, uh, yeah, looks here, like it says, maybe there'll be more action against Init in the Great Wildlands. So I'm pretty sure Init uh, out there to try to disrupt as much as possible. That is part of the war. It's a different war, a different theater of war, but it's part of the same war. And uh, some, oh, never mind. Uh, never mind, I won't go on that. It's just a little joke from NC Dot, but it's an inside joke and I'd have to explain in uh, real life stuff. So kind of stay out of that. Okay, let's actually uh, now go to the fireside chat, which is uh, given uh, every Sunday by the Mitanni at the exact same time. Test has their coalition meeting. Uh, or they used to have their test meeting, but they've recently changed it to make it a whole coalition meeting. So it's actually a legacy town hall uh, that we're going to listen to next. And from now on, they'll be doing that. So it will be an Imperium fireside and it will be a legacy um town hall um every time that we do this at least and hopefully we will get other stuff too from other organizations yeah uh, i've gone through it uh, pretty quickly to look out for just you know cycles and cycles and cycles of bad language and stuff because i was feeling bad for the audience last time uh, it's not so bad this time, which is good. It's a little more, uh, the, the statement, statesman Matani shows up a lot more, which is good. And uh, we'll we'll find out why change in tone and that sort of stuff. So here we go. This is the fireside, which happened yesterday. So we're going to try to do these faster too. And here you go. I know many of you are coming in from those fleets that are just standing down. Great fucking work today. Any Sunday when you have almost 1,300 people in our mumble is a good day. Mm-mm-mm. Goons are totally going to go to Saren in any moment now. I'm sure that's the bedtime story uh, Villian crew are whispering on theirs. They're doing a legacy town hall at about the same time. For those that don't know the historical context of that, Saren was the uh, the rendezvous point for the Imperium when they were dislodged from the North, which happened in 2016. It was called World War B, popularly. Uh, Imperium calls it Casino War, coined by Noisy Gamer because a lot of the funding came from the casino I want ISK. And they uh, realized after two battles, they needed to retreat to Losek and they went to Saarinen. And so that is exactly when uh, 
Heapstar was introduced to the game, and that is also when faxes were relatively new. And so there was a lot of testing going on between Pandemic Legion and a lot of hurricanes from uh, Goon Swarm and the Imperium. And some of those battles were rather even, but it was uh, the Imperium in low sec fighting it out in basically uh, just a meat grinder. And they both ended up kind of, you know, there's no real solve to take, so it ended up kind of a tie. So it wasn't a bad mark for the Imperium. It's something they reflect on. Um, but they do th see it as like, oh, Test must be saying right now that we're going to be moving to low sec. Mm -mm -mm, not going to happen. And that's what he's talking about. Should be funny. All right, boys and girls, uh, I'm going to go ahead and get started here. Uh, this is not going to be a super herf fireside. Uh, last week, uh, we got together and I herfed many blurfs, and I herfed so many blurfs, I didn't really get a chance to take questions or anything like that. Uh, in broad strokes, I want to let people know that I'm just really happy with the way that we have all been performing this last week. We've shut the bad guys down hard. We shut them down hard, uh, even though they threw everything at us. They threw everything at us on Monday. They threw everything at us on Friday. Uh, it has been a odyssey. Uh, and one of the things that I really am super, super, super happy with, which is critical. Like if there's any one thing that you got to take away from this fireside and in general is, uh, when you see all capital pings or saying that, hey, the bad guys are doing a flash form surprise attack, get the fucking fleet, especially with the carriers and the super carriers, ready to rock. And then when you're out of fleet, we need to get everybody in the habit of uh, looking to their war gear. What does that mean outside of Warhammer 40k terms? That means making sure that you are ready to get in. in Warhammer uh, 40,000 or whatever it is, 40k is... Uh... Uh, where the name Imperium comes from and a lot of the references that Matani puts out there, or actually a lot of goon leadership come from Warhammer. That's why he's referencing Warhammer. Another like 10 ship grind fight at the drop of a hat that you're not fiddling with uh, making sure that everything is correct. You're just ready to rock and ready to lose. If it takes losing 15 ships in a row, it takes losing 15 ships in a row. If it takes losing 30 ships in a row, that's what it takes. Uh, there is no one in the history of EVE Online who can do a full-blown meat grinder grind fight like we can. This is our thing. It's been our thing going all the way back to the Great War 15 years back. Uh, and I think that that has been proven uh, in this last week's combat. Uh, there is nothing quite like a meat grinder, and that's sort of our whole thing. Goon Swarm comes from players that weren't necessarily advanced in the game, but there were so many of them that they would swarm an opponent. So uh, goons are from a certain forum called Something Awful. It is a precursor to other forums, picture forums like uh, 4chan, for instance. Later turns into 8chan, etc. Um, and that was very popular. I think it was uh, European, but a lot of Americans used it. And so you have goon plus swarm. So they're the guys from something awful would swarm their opponents, and that's what you what you where you get the name Goon Swarm. Uh, and so it was their tactics because again they were not highly skilled, but they were um, I don't know what the word is kind of reckless and just wanted to have fun and that sort of stuff. So they would uh, there was something they would say was and this is kind of funny clog their cannons with our bodies is something they would do. You know, use their bodies as ammunition is something they would do. So this is what he's recalling in their history so uh this is this is the counter to a surprise attack guys fundamentally speaking the counter to a surprise attack is to tell everybody to be on guard and on deck and looking for a surprise attack i don't expect that the enemy is going to be changing their tactics much 
because quite frankly, it is their best way to get in and fuck us over. Uh, they are using a sensible strategy uh, in terms of flash forming to attack us, because if they get in uh, and they get into 3D or they get into 1DQ1, uh, if we are unprepared and we don't have our fleets and our carriers and our supercarriers ready to rock, then we're fighting from the back foot and things get way more complicated and it's an uphill battle from there. Uh, we had some issues with that on uh, last Monday. And then even in that fight, we were able to recover from that and win anyway. Uh, and then again on Friday. Um, I don't give a fuck about, especially for these vulnerability period attacks that they're doing. Um, what they're doing is they're doing a surprise attack before our vulnerabilities open. They're hoping to overmatch us and then uh, hack our shit. Right. That was hap what happened Monday. That was what happened on Friday. Uh, and that's that's reasonable. Right. Like they have chosen to not use their supers. And so if they get in before we're ready and prepared, uh, things get more difficult for us. So I want to thank all of you who have been going the extra mile to get into fleets, to stay up late, to make sure that this happens, because I think that if we can keep these guys shut down for another week or two, uh, they're going to be in even deeper shit. One of the things that we are seeing is, is that the enemy is losing momentum in Delve and that as a result, uh, things are heating up in the other theaters in this war. So Initiative is running around burning down horde shit. There are more attacks up there. Uh, there appears to be some sort of, uh, I, I don't want to call it a full-blown split, but it's like there, there, there's something as weird as happening with what Fraternity is doing. Fraternity is off going and attacking Pure Blind and doing their own thing. Uh, and there is uh, chaos is beginning to emerge. And I think that's very good because the puppies are finding out that if you blew the entire galaxy for almost a year, well, that's just not so sustainable. And as we hold the line here in Delve, that allows our allies and in initiative and in Bastion and all of our friends across the galaxy that are standing against this, let's turn tranquility into serenity, you know, 103 alliances, blue circle jerk nonsense. Uh, the more that we're able to hold here and stop these motherfuckers in their tracks by being just absolutely you know, maniacally willing to lose however many ships it takes to hold Delve, uh, then we're going to be in good shape. So I want to hand out a bunch of gold stars here on this fireside. We've done a fantastic week. Uh, it is really good vibes all around, but it's good vibes in that sense of we need to be doing more of this. We need to be doing it better. We need to be putting in the work between these ops because, as you found out, it's because that the enemy does a meat grinder and we win one day. They'll be back in another day. They could be back tomorrow. We have to always be prepared. The particular danger zone strategically, the one that everybody needs to be aware of, is in that hour before our vulnerabilities open. So anywhere from like 2230 onwards is like the flash form zone for piggles and them. Uh, so obviously for a lot of our Europeans, that's not necessarily possible for them to stay up late and be eyes on. But really, I just want people to get into the habit, if they can, Get into the habit of just keeping your eyes on director bots. So if you see a screaming all caps ping, you know that they're doing a flash form attack and that stuff is up. That has worked out really well for us because we've been warning you guys to be on deck to be ready this week. And lo and behold, our responses have been far more effective and our ability to defend our shit has been far more effective. So please keep doing what you're doing. More of that. Lots of gold stars to hand out in that direction. If they can't successfully do the sneak. All right, so uh, you've heard basically some very happy Matani with the performance of his guys telling him more uh, awareness. Be sure to react quickly. We talked about this in the last few, that this war was really going to come down to numbers in fleets as fast as you can. 
Uh, if you think about it in terms of uh, a photographer, if you're on vacation and you have a really beautiful camera, but you never carry it anywhere, it doesn't do you any good. So in photography, one of the sayings was the best camera you can get uh, at the time. And so uh, photographers started using uh, smaller cameras that had fixed lenses and stuff like that, because uh, that was just easier to carry when you're on vacation, but it produced a good shot. Uh, and this is kind of the same thing. It's like the most people we can get in the shortest amount of time to be there. And then uh, that's the strategy for the Imperium right now that is working. It's also the strategy for uh, Pappy. So we'll see how that goes in the coming weeks. Attack thing, then they're going to have to come up with some other tactics that might involve using their supers or doing something. I don't know. Uh, but for now, that is uh, that's their thing. Sneak attacks and us being on guard, guarding the gates and being willing to lose whatever it takes to keep our vulnerabilities uh, secure. All right. Let me check my notes. So I want to, I'm going to be bouncing around a lot again. Last week it was herfity blurf blurf blurf, and I didn't really get through some of our more, uh, you know, Imperium news and uh, just sort of general updates about things involving like the CSM stuff. So I want to talk about that now. Uh, CSM silly season is upon us. If you have been with us for the last zillion years, as long as there's been a CSM, usually there is some degree of uh, political horse trading across uh, the NullSec lines, right? Like we would put uh, the judge or even uh, Gobbins or Villy or whatever on some of our ballots and in return they would put our guys on their ballots. Uh, the winds of our whims have changed. I'm... By the way, they did do that, but uh, Judge was, I think, seat number five, which means very little trickled down to him. He had to buy his own votes in order to get in, and I don't think he did. Um, and then on the other side, you have, or maybe he did, but he was like number 10. But uh, on the other side, of you had Gobbins was on the Imperium ballot only two cycles ago. And uh, that is more of a gesture because he was at, listed at number eight. Nothing really counts below number three even at the scale of Imperium. Uh, I don't want to go into CSM elections very much, but vote ballot trading really counts when you put somebody else's guy in the number two slot or the number three slot. Beyond that, it doesn't really matter. It's really just message sending. So it's not that big a deal. Very much in fuck all puppies forever mode. And we have a bunch of very interesting Goonstorm candidates. And I'm going to take a big risk, politically speaking. It's not really a big risk because fuck puppies. Uh, and we're just not going to be doing any fucking CSM deals with any of our enemies this year because they should eat shit. Uh, but this tells you something that the 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 war is so uh, frustrating or ang anger making for both sides, I assume, that they are not going to do what they did with Tranquility Trade Center, which is cooperate uh, in order to defend it. They came together in the middle of this war to defend uh, money making. But when it comes to CSM, they don't want to do any of that uh uh, vote trading. It doesn't matter anyway, because it wouldn't have affected results, but it would have been a, a symbolic gesture, but they don't want to extend that symbolic gesture at this time. Uh, that means that we are going to have a, a ticket of pure gooniness, and it's not just gooniness, obviously, it's everybody in the Imperium that is running. Uh, we are going to try to optimize that ballot. I'm not going to get you that ballot right now because our math nerds are going to math nerd. And the risk that we're taking here is that I am willing to see if all of you motherfuckers are going to get out and vote more to try to clog the CSM with as many goons as possible and brisk, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe you guys will be more inspired to vote the way the state tells you to. Uh, but, you know, we're going to have all of our dudes there. We're going to have Bruden on there. We're going to have uh, Baculus. We're going to have Angry Mustache. We're just going to, you know, we're going to fill up all the slots with our people and everybody else can eat a dick. Fuck them.
So uh, we will have that ballot out for you, and basically we're going to math nerd on the uh, order of that. Uh, if you are coming back uh, and haven't been playing since the last CSM elections, uh, Goonswarm and our friends have managed to win the CSM election so hard over the past however many years uh, that CCB has repeatedly changed the way that the voting system works to prevent us from owning everything. Okay, that's I don't even know if that's partially true. Uh, but uh, I think Brisk barely got on this last time. I think he was one of the, he was in the last shuffle uh, and he was listed as number three or four, I think. But they definitely, uh, Imperium is big enough to vote at least a solid two members in and possibly three. And sometimes with some help from other votes, a fourth, uh, which is dominating because nobody else can really match that. I think everybody else can do one, maybe a second one uh, because of scale. Thing. Uh, <laughs> and. Uh... We still do pretty good. Uh, so the way that CSM elections work is uh, you will be given a list of people to vote for, and we expect you to exercise your right to uh, free speech and democracy by doing exactly what the state tells you to do and voting exactly in the way that the state asks you to vote. Uh, and that shouldn't be too hard because it's just going to be a bunch of our dudes and fuck all puppies forever. Uh, so... I was going to say, that's the good Matani, the funny Matani, the uh, witty and engaging. Uh, but then he throws the puppy stuff in there, and it's like, okay, there's the insulting Matani too, to remind you. Like, but for them, it's all their same signal. So if they respond to it, it works for his guys. Uh, I'm really, I'm, I'm interested in seeing this, because this is kind of a big real-time sociological experiment. Maybe it'll fuck us over. Uh, because maybe we, if we don't do the deals with the puppies or whatever, maybe we won't have enough votes to get more than like two or three of our guys there. But my hope is that you glorious motherfuckers will realize that we're sort of going out on a limb here and pure fucking gooniness, us in the Imperium, we're just going to do our fucking people and that's going to be the, the full slate of the ballot. And my hope is, is that you will vote like maniacs because if we are able to get more than just a couple CSMs on this thing uh, without relying on any pubby votes or any like backroom deals or something, they will scream like bitches for the next year plus. So... I want you to be thinking about the CSM elections. It's going to be one of the biggest fuck yous possible to the rest of the galaxy. And my God, we might even pull it off despite the single transferable vote systems that they put in place to try to hold us back. You know, just maximum fucking effort. And uh, yeah, we're just going to roll with it. I mean, I'm sorry. Kenny G did a fucking CSM video for us. Yes, it was a cameo. Delta Squad is on that. It, I am so happy with that fucking <laughs> Delta Squad has been doing lately. It's just, it, it's uh, it's super old school, and it just makes me so happy. And uh, I, in my heart, I cannot deny all of our guys that are running for the CSM a chance on the ballot. Like, Angry Mustache has been out there, like, doing battle reports to siphon some puppy votes off. Like, I think we've got a real thing going on here. So fuck it. Let's just see what happens. We're going to go a ticket of pure goons and friends and fuck everybody else, and we'll see how many seats we get. So that's the plan for the CSM election. Uh, you will not have to choose what order they are in. You will not have to think the state will tell you exactly what to think, and the state is going to tell you to vote for all just goons and friends and uh, fuck all puppies forever. Uh, question here is, what's a minimum for me to be happy uh, in terms of seats? It just kind of depends. Uh, I'm we're, We've never done this before. We have usually in past CSM elections, there's been favor trading across NullSec to organize the block votes, which is fine. But the rest of the game has banded together to talk about how we're all awful people and how we shouldn't be friends with each other. And we should listen to just wretches like Piggles. 
Uh, and fuck that noise. I have no interest in doing deals with these people. You know, fuck them. I just don't care. Maybe it costs us some seats. I don't give a shit. You know, We're just going to do it and everybody else can eat our ass. So I hope that that inspires you to fucking vote. Uh, I think the voting is going to be in uh, two weeks from now, and we're going to try to get, uh, you know, we'll have the ballot finalized uh, in the last uh, in the last week or just before, whatever. It doesn't really matter. You just have to know going in, you're not going to have to vote for any fucking puppies. The state is not going to ask you to do that. It's just going to be our dudes and our friends. Okay. Uh, yeah, I did wish we could make it through without uh, uh, one of those ass things, but there it is. Anyway, uh, I think it's, uh, if you think about it, I don't think it's a big deal. Uh, it doesn't really have allies to trade votes with right now anyway, if the allies are are feeling the same way he is, which is we're not going to trade. But he's putting it out first saying, don't even ask, we're not going to trade with you. Uh, I don't think it makes a difference either way unless your candidate is uh, pretty much already going to get in anyway. I could be wrong about that. I'll consult Noisy Gamer, who actually helps me vote count when it comes election time so he can see the breakdown. But uh, I'm pretty sure that isn't really a big deal. But what is the big deal is saying uh, you guys got to vote to make us look good for the next year because we'll really make, you know, make a mockery of them if you guys can get three. I think he says two or more, <laughs> but basically three or four people in from Goon Swarm would be a big signal sent to the game that these the Imperium is alive and well. Uh, I want to talk in general about F2s. Uh, we have had some tremendous success with you guys doing your F2s, and I want to give some shout outs for that. Uh, the Boosters and the Dictors, uh, the, those of you who for your F2 have been doing Booshing and Dictors, like you've seen in these fights, how fantastic that has been. And I want to encourage people to develop your F2. If you've forgotten what that is, the third great cultural revolution in Goonswarm is that it is no longer enough for us all to just be F1 monkeys. Each of us need to contribute two things in fleets and two things outside of fleets. So it's not enough to just turn up. you got to go that extra mile of developing your skills. The reason that's important is your FCs and your directors are busting their asses every fucking day making sacrifices to keep your homeland here safe. And they deserve you meeting them halfway by doing at least two things, not just one thing. And we're going to help you there. There's a fucking thread uh, in the war room. Actually, can somebody link the Cultural Revolution thread here in case somebody's missed it, please? Uh, with advice on ways that you can get involved and learn skills to help out beyond just turning up as an F1 monkey. One of the most important things is stockpile, stockpile, stockpile. Before he goes into stockpiling, which I think he's saying is an F2, an F2 just means do something else. Don't just show up to fleet and fight uh, and reship and reship, which we'll get to later. But don't um, don't just sit there, do stuff. Because I think what that's an appeal to is the spreading out of manpower, which is necessary. Uh, in, in a war, you can have all the money you want. You can have all the equipment you want. But if you don't have the man hours to do the stuff that needs to be done, uh, it taxes and burns out few people. So if you only have 20 people who are really doing all the work for a war and some guys just show up to press F1, you're going to burn out those guys that are doing everything. So he's saying spread that load, that workload out of real time from real people that's what the F2 movement is all about strategically. Let's talk about you develop your F2 by developing these other skills. But in addition, on your main fleet account, you are ready to fucking grind. And grinding means you have a big stockpile of ships that are ready to rock of our main doctrines. And that just like you've seen in these grind fights this last week, shout out to our fucking SRP team. Like, holy fuck. As you guys noticed, people were getting mm. potted and the instant that they were bounced back to 1DQ1 to get in their next ship, their wallet blinked because our reimbursers were on fucking point. 
there the turnaround time between blowing up and getting your payout was pretty much the lowest I've ever seen it across the board. And that is the kind of hero shit we want. So we in this alliance and in this coalition are standing behind you. As long as you are willing to get out there and grind and fucking fight, we are going to try to arm you. We're going to make sure you get paid because all that matters is fuck all puppies forever. We've been doing great with this shit this week, and I'm really, really proud. We need more of that meat grinder attitude. We need more of that willingness to say, damn the fucking torpedoes. All that matters is the strat op. I do not give a flying fuck if we lose 30 billion isk more than the bad guys on a Friday when we shut down a full constellation hack attack, which is what that was. Once we shut it down, they immediately said, hey, guys. All right. Actually, I'm going to stop there for a second because I want to say that was really good leadership to say, like, you guys put in the hustle. We'll put in the materials. We'll make this. We'll meet you halfway. We'll give you the equipment you need. Uh, and we're committed as you're committed. And I think that's really good leadership to say, we'll do our part. You you do your part and we'll meet you halfway and do our part. We'll reimburse you quickly. We'll get you uh, back into there. And, uh, you know, that's that's good stuff right there for them. Uh, right here, I think he turns into, well, let's, let's give a listen. I'll talk afterwards. Immediately said, hey, guys, Saturday Night Fights, we're just here to brawl because... I need to back up because I think it's a little, this is kind of interesting. There was a fight uh, where on a Friday night before a European weekend, there was a big attack coming from Pappy and it was repelled. And uh, so he's mocking them for saying that it wasn't important when he sees it as very important that it was, it was a surprise attack. That's what this theme is about. And uh, what, ha what would have happened is that the European heavy Pappy would have been able to take advantage of a three-day weekend and had more time to do combat if they had created timers and done some things. But again, it was repelled, which uh, I think Matani is saying, like, we thwarted their attack and we're not going to let them say that it was just a nothing. And that's where he's, this is where he goes into that. Hack attack, which is what that was. Once we shut it down, they immediately said, hey guys, Saturday Night Fights, we're just here to brawl because we nuked their hackers and we then kept them grinding all the way through our vulnerabilities until they closed so they couldn't get shit done. All matters is the bottom line in these fights if the strategic objective which is the defense of delve is secured i don't give a fuck about losing however many fighters we do what it takes and that means you need to be prepared uh, preparation means stockpiles ships fit ready to go and an attitude of kill die reship repeat kill die kill die just do it get it done and everybody has been doing it i am very very happy the reason why we are still here and the reason why the puppies have not gotten a foothold in 3D is because you glorious motherfuckers have been doing the needful. You've been keeping guard, you've been keeping watch, and you've been preparing. That's what we need. Let me talk about a couple other things here. So yeah, I mean, it's not just the F2 stuff. It's also for those of you on your F1s, your F1s, your main fleet ships, you've got those stockpiles. You guys have been reshipping like motherfuckers. Our reimbursers have been reimbursing you like motherfuckers. It's... Part of the reason I'm not so herfy this week is I'm just I'm really like I'm really proud of the org like the, the 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 people are knitting together we're getting in the habit of manning the walls and guarding guarding our vulnerable periods we're getting better at responding to these platforms it, it's it's working it's working I, I don't thank you sorry about the mute it's just okay sorry so this is let's see if I can remember what I was saying this is good leadership and what he's doing is reminding people that they're doing a good job and how they're doing a good job they're going to be met halfway with equipment they're going to be reimbursed quickly and that's the machine that the Imperium uses which is to uh, war of attrition they've built up a five-year uh, cache and I shouldn't be muted anymore 
so you guys should be hearing me. I can see that it's going out. So, uh, so five year of cash. So they should have the, um, you know, what, what it takes. They just need the manpower to keep going. And so if you die once, twice, three times, uh, that's great because you are multiplying yourself if you reship every time you reship. So one guy can be worth five or six bodies. And that's how the Imperium, that's the secret to their win, if they can do it. And he's saying, this is why I'm not upset. This is why I'm not, uh, you know, we've seen him hysterical in the last few days. I call it hysterical. I call it worse than hysterical, right? I call it toxic masculinity. But none of that is showing up, or not a lot of it is showing up, because they had a good week. And that's pretty cool for him. And again, showing good leadership this week, and uh, a lot calmer, a lot more in, you know, in director mode. The problem with that is that you always have the negative space, right? If you're seeing something here and there is a result, then the opposite is true as well. Therefore, when they're having a bad week, you will see him resort to craziness, uh, you know, just blasting, insulting, and all this other stuff, because there is no good news to report. And that's the flip side of this. So when they have good news, you're going to hear uh, the Imperium talk in this kind of a way, and it's engaging and it's interesting. Here you go. I don't know what they're going to do if we keep this up for another couple of weeks the way that we have been. And we need to make sure we are keeping it up for another couple of weeks the way that we have been. If we can keep shutting these fuckers down, this whole thing is going to blow back in their face ugly, and it's starting to do that. All right. I think uh, I've got a note here to give Delta Squad a shout-out, but I think I uh, was just talking about how much I love them, and I love the cultural output. It's like some old-school Great War gooniness shit, and I just love to see it. Uh, other cool things that are important that you guys should get involved in, NGSA. Uh, NGSA has, uh, and let's get that linked, please, here in Elysium. Uh, we herf NGSA every week, and one of the reasons we do it is that it is getting kills, and Delve is not safe for the enemy. They think that they can, like, live and love in Delve, but Delve hates them. And you can be a part of that. NGSA. The system works. If you don't know what I'm talking about, NGSA is a system where you have scouts that are plugged into the system, and then this system, you report what is happening, what you see, where there are puppies to kill, if they have a roll call or whatever. And then our fleet commanders go and murder them. So please do that. Sorry, excuse me. Delve is perfectly safe. If you are one of the puppies listening to this, Delve is perfectly safe. Uh, please keep ratting and mining everywhere. There is nothing to see here. There hey, are no uh, goons. Goons are about to go to Saranen. Sarcasm. Uh, undock your roll calls, please. I want to specifically, I, I don't actually know his name, and if I can get his name, I've got a specific request to a shout out. Here's an example of a goon hero. Uh, Kunmi, if you could link him in fucking Elysium. Uh, one of our glorious motherfuckers reshipped a Drake seven times in that fight on Friday, one we had most recently. Seven, seven Drake reships. That is exactly the kind of attitude we need to bring. That's the kind of realness we're going to bring on these F1 meat grinder fights. And that is, yeah, he brought his fucking Drake, and that is some hero, hero shit. If you are going to be, like, we want you to develop your F2 skills. But when it comes to the F1 monkey stuff, we want you to F1 monkey like a motherfucker. We want you to bring those seven drakes. We want you to just be, remember, ships are ammo. Just clog the fucking puppy's guns with your hulls. Whatever it takes. Yeah, actually, that's a really good one. Mustang points out here, don't be an F1 monkey. Be an F1 gorilla. Be a fucking great ape. No more monkey mode. F1 gorilla, develop your F2. That's how we go. Oh, the guy's name is actually F1 Monkey? Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. I love it. I love it. What a fucking hero. Gorilla. I'll be like that guy. Be an F1 gorilla. 
What a motherfucker. What a glorious motherfucker. That is exactly the kind of space Chad attitude we need to bring to this shit. Silverback Chad. Love it. Love it. Let's get the guy a fucking forum title. Okay, I got another couple shout-outs here. Guys, I, like I said, last week I didn't take many questions, but, man, I have so many gold stars to hand out to you guys. I am so fucking proud. They did everything they could to sneak attack us and grind us down these big grind fights, and we're still here, and they didn't get shit for their trouble. It's just, it's beautiful. Uh, G-Sol. Oh, man, G-Sol's been doing a lot of work. G-Sol's been doing so much work. Uh, G-Sol is... Uh... Oof, goons, something, something logistics. It's their logistics wings, the people that equip everybody else. Specifically, I want to point out that Robin Hood and Sopleb have been going above and beyond. Those two guys have been doing so much shit. They are good people. Give them hugs. Okay, on top of the other things, uh, I want to say as part of the grinding and the reshipping and all that other good shit, uh, we need to keep the markets and contracts stocked, right? We, we need to make sure that ships are constantly coming in as we get them blown up uh, and that our people are always ready to rock. Uh, that is critically important. I also want to underlining the importance of there's going to be times where I will, you know, we'll just, you know, lose fighters. We will sacrifice fighters to hold down fleets. And if that's what it takes, that's what it takes. If you're a carrier and a supercarrier jock, make sure that you have your stockpiles of fighters. Make sure you are getting your fighter bays restocked as soon as you can if there's any downtime. This is critically important because since the enemy keeps downshipping, uh, carriers are going to just be a huge part of our defense. They're already a huge part of our defense. That is not going to change. Uh, and in fact, we're just going to optimize and dial that in better and better. Uh, we know that the enemy is trying to counter our fighters, and that is fine. We are just going to make sure we're doing what we're doing. If you lose fighters, get them restocked. If you need help getting them restocked, if you're, if you're dry for some reason, ask for help in Capsworm. We will get you the help you need. Okay, uh, a couple things going on here. By the way, downshipping means you go from an expensive ship to a less expensive ship or a, small, a bigger ship to a smaller ship. You're going down the list so that you're not wasting uh, as much stuff. Sometimes you come in with heavy cruisers, and then the next time you come in with really light frigates, and that's downshipping. <clears throat> and the reason you do that is uh, I think that's what Blarpies are, which we talked about earlier. We'll learn more about them later, but the uh, Harpies are basically taking out fighters, and I'm not sure exactly why, but maybe we'll find out a little later. The fighters, the carriers, and supercarriers are one of our first line of defenses for the rapid response and defense in a, uh, when we're dealing with an enemy flash form. So keep it up and just make sure you're never dry on fighters. Fighters should be stocked, a uh, very good point here, fighters should be stocked in the Theta Star, not in the Imperial Palace. So that is that is where all the fighter carrier nonsense is happening in 1DQ. It is in the Theta Star. I'm not going to comment specifically on the enemy's uh, doctrine shifts or our plan counters or our hypothetical plan counters because that would be bingo square, future plans, guys, future plans. No casino were referenced today yet. That is bingo bait. So uh, I no, know bingo bait when I see it. No talking. I want to pitch doctors. you guys on uh, eagles. We've had really good uptake on these eagle fleets, and in the past, you know, goons were kind of eh, on eagles. But then he starts talking about eagles. So are you going to talk about doctrines or not? I, I, there must be some loophole that I missed there. But you guys have been jumping in eagle fleets more and more, and one of the reasons why the eagles are so cool and so important is that they are the anvil. They are incredibly tanky, and the purpose of the eagle fleet is to be the anvil, which our other DPS fleets are able to become the hammer and slam the puppies down on. So whenever you see an eagle fleet, it is very important. Those are our tanks. Their job is to do stuff, and if they have to die, they die very slowly, 
And that is one of the reasons why, particularly for Eagle Fleets, reshipping is super, super, super important because your job is to just hold the fucking line and do what it takes. That Those subcap fleets, those Eagle Fleets are the fucking shield. So when you join an Eagle Fleet, know what you're signing up for and understand how important it is. Your job is to hold things down, to take fire, and to do it well while the rest of us can mulch puppies. You can mulch some, some puppies too, but it is critically important to have a very solid, solid tank fleet with good logic, good support, and dedication to reship as long as it takes. When you're able to join multiple fleets, is there any priority of what fleet is more important? Uh, that is a very good question, Doom Lord. So one of the things that you've, you're starting to see me do during these big grind fights is that I will send a ping that says priority reinforcements to whatever. Uh, so in a big grind flight, uh, so initially speaking, when a big fight starts, join the first fleet you see a ping for. That will usually be an eagle fleet, but I don't want to make any promises on that that might restrict things. But uh, if you see a ping that goes all caps or the bad guys are doing something and we need to respond to it, fill that fleet first, right? Because job number one is to fill a fucking fleet. Before anything else happens, you fill the first fleet. And then, uh, to answer your question more specifically, uh, certain fleets will get depleted, certain fleets will need Logi, certain fleets will need boosters, and I will, uh, this is Kosacek has been doing this, and it's been very helpful, he'll tell me priority reinforcements are X, Y, and Z to a given fleet, and I will ping that, say priority reinforcements needed, we need blah and blah, and then just follow the pings, because, you know, fights are dynamic things, and stuff happens, and we have to be, you know, I can't give you a specific universal answer, that would be foolish. Best new bro Logi who deserves a shout out for just jumping straight in completely fearless. So a shout out to Tanner Mon. Good man. Yeah, in general, uh, first fleet is critical, guys, because the first line of defense, uh, the strategy that Piggles has been using the entire war is flash form, flash form, flash form. And that means that we need to be on deck beforehand to expect that. We know where our vulnerabilities are. They're in the, you know, after around 2230, you need to be eyes on for potential screaming pings for enemies are flash forming go. And then what we really need people to do, carriers and supercarriers, you got to get in those fleets ASAP. And that first fleet you see pinged in a flash form response is the most important one because the matter is speed and getting to the places that we need to get within the constellation to lock shit down as soon as possible. So if you see a screaming all caps ping about something, don't sit around and go, well, maybe I'll join a later fleet because the whole point is to man the walls such that they can't breach the fucking gates as soon as possible. And then we post up and then everything kicks off. But firstest with the mostest is always the basic rule of warfare. Uh, so when you see pings go out, you, ju you just get in the fucking fleet and go. And then we can, we can figure out flexibility later. Okay, let me see some of these other things. So get in the first fleet, doesn't matter what it is, that's your priority. I'm gonna go ahead and take some questions here. Let me look and scroll back. Uh, I think I've hit all of my Herfity Blurf bullet points and we'll sort of hang out here and uh, can answer your questions. Um, regarding the, I, I don't understand the question, Astro. What's a block level FC? I mean, if you're running fleets in a block like our FCs are, they're a block level FC. Meta show hot tub stream win. Uh, that is on Brisk to uh, get his hot tub up and running. Uh, but hopefully soon. I think that would be hilarious. He's in the Q&A Is there going to be a replacement though. for drama fleets? Uh, we're not going to be talking about doctrine changes at this time. There's not going to be any like doctrine shift announcement. Like we will tell you when we're going to do a doctrine shift, uh, and we're not usually going to telegraph that. Uh, it's a reasonable question. I've seen a couple questions about doctrines, and so I'm going to tell you why I'm not going to tell you. Uh, when we announce a doctrine, there's a thread, and usually our producers have been working to stock and prepare for that doctrine in advance. Uh, and that means that when we announce it, 
you know, we want to have things in place that it's ready to go. We also don't want to announce doctrine changes prematurely because then that gives the enemy an eye into what we're using to counter their counters and then et cetera, et cetera. So uh, usually speaking, I don't talk about doctrine changes on a fireside until they are ready to rock. Uh, and that's why it's a very good question. And there's also a very good reason why I'm not going to answer it. Okay, so you just said we don't talk about future doctrines because we need to supply them so that people don't go and buy them all or make the price go high or, you know, we don't we don't have what we need to build them. That happens when you have like a faction doctrine, like let's say Macarial. If uh, a group was to say, we're going to fly Macarials and they don't already have them in stock, then somebody's going to buy up hundreds of Macarials and sell them for a lot more and make some money because now these guys are forced to use them. So you don't want to do that sort of thing in advance. And uh, in addition, he also says you don't want to message out what you guys are, what they're doing to counter what their enemy's doing until really until the ships show up on the field and then the FCs figure out like, oh, okay, this is what they're doing to counter us. And then the secret's out. So then you can tell your guys in the next meeting, this is what our new doctrine is. We already use it twice this week. doesn't matter. Enemy already knows it. So those are uh, a, a couple interesting learning points for you guys that are involved in big warfare. Uh, do we ever plan on letting Vili walk back the war of extermination comments? No, no. I mean, Vili's not the kind of person who wants to walk back anything because he's the kind of person who can never be wrong about anything because he's an onion skin bitch. Uh, but you know, no, we're going to let these, we're going to hoist these fuckers on their own petard. And but should we're, cut that one out. We never let Bob Bob live that shit down. Why would we let Pispy live any of this shit down? They clapped for it. They cheered for it. They, you know, we'll hang it around their fucking necks to the end of time. Fuck them. Yes, test is next, and test is increasingly now because if they're going to be colonizing us here and think that we're going to go to Saarinen. It makes it very easy for the Saarinen, uh Sorry about that little thing to wake me up. It's kind of like a. It, it, it's kind of like a, a armor alert, isn't it? Um, the thing about Saarinen, just to remind you, is that uh, Saarinen in this context means if they think we're going to retreat to a safe low sec or a NPC space, that's when he says if they think we're going to Saarinen. That's the reference. He's basically saying no retreat for us to take them out when they are right next door. So uh, I'm glad that they increasingly are willing to cede all their territory and live in Delve uh, because it makes it easier for us to take them out. Test is next is not really bingo bait. It is our, it is, it is our uh, strategic policy. So uh, there you go. Uh, for people that uh, joined earlier on in the war, uh, at the very start, actually, fuck, almost a year ago now, uh, I announced that uh, as part of a deployment sort of speech, I think it was in the State of the Union, I said that, you know, the NCDOT thing is boring, like our old grudge with NCDOT and Bob, you know, we kick those guys around the galaxy, and they just don't really uh, shriek and scream the same way that the test guys do, and the test guys are far more annoying uh, and worse uh, on every level, so... Uh, essentially, we dropped our blood feud with the Bob remnants and NC Dot. I mean, to be fair, I'd love seeing people with evolution tickers screaming. That still gets me. You know, when I see an Evol guy uh, on our Eve whining about something, that does still uh, juice me a little bit. But uh, it just got boring after a while. But well, Test is new and shiny. And well, they're not. Well, the, the, the guys that have been fighting for 15 years uh, from Bob, those guys are all old now, right? I mean, even if they were teenagers, they're 30. If they were 30, they're 45. Like this, they're not, they don't react to this stuff. It doesn't really agitate them anymore. Uh, so you're really not going to get any kind of response. You notice NC Dot's 
radio quiet this war pretty much you might see some guys in the u.s that would that are normally youngers but you know the the guys from bob that have been around for ages and ages they just don't react to any of this kind of stuff so they're not as fun to pick on or to try to provoke or you know words don't work on them but if you look at tests a lot of young people a lot of people like communicating on reddit or wherever i don't know uh, but it's easy to agitate them get them stirred up play play with them with words and that sort of stuff so i think that's why you see the the dialogue twisting there, as well as uh, test is the linchpin in this um, war when it started. I don't know if they still are now, uh, but it was kind of funny. Somebody pointed out this, uh, the Imperium talks about a blue donut, that, you know, everybody's forming a blue donut, which basically means all around the map, you become blue, which means you're friendly with one another, and you create this uh, basically intransigent, uh, empire of everybody that's uh, friendly to one another which is horrible and they compare it to what happened in serenity when a group won and took over the entire server and just dominated it um, but what somebody pointed out was that the nip was uh between legacy who they're fighting now and imperium and to say we're going to lift the nip is an axe to get away from the blue croissant which was half the uh the map Right. So uh, in order to form less of a croissant, a blue croissant, this war began. So it's really interesting how that gets twisted on its head. Uh, if you get out a non-invasion pact because you don't want to team up, uh, you know, it seems like that's the opposite of what you are, should be complaining about. Uh, also, what happened in Serenity is the exact opposite of what's happening here. If the Imperium wins this war, it will be Serenity because they will rule the galaxy as one entity. Uh, because a lot of groups came together to fight PIBC on the Serenity server, the Chinese server, and lost. And so the, the, the group of multiple alliances lost, and it became a blue donut uh, on Serenity. This is the opposite. If uh, the Imperium wins, you'll have the same thing happen in Serenity. If Imperium loses, it will be Serenity, the other scenario. What if PIBC had lost that war and all those groups had taken over and won? That would be pretty, uh, it would be pretty interesting either way. I would, I would like either scenario myself. Okay, let's go on. I think this is now a Q&A period, and then we'll move over to uh, Pappy and listen to what they said. Not really new or shiny. They're fat and greasy but uh, where the test is next stuff comes from. Okay, uh, I have a shout out here for, uh, let me see here. Uh, Aldani has like a swole swarm thing. Kazanir wants to plug. I don't know, Kazanir, if you want to like talk about it out loud or what. Hello, can you hear me? It's summertime. We're doing a contest. Uh, Aldani wisely hit me up to provide prizes. So we're going to attach some capital hulls to this, baby. Uh, there's also a Jabber channel that hasn't seen used in a long time. I'm going to type it up. Feel free to join. Uh, but yeah, hit up that thread. It's summertime. Uh, please work out. That's pretty much it. Kazanir is one of their financial guys. Uh, he works with the money. He's the one that came up with the bonds. Uh, talked about that. He's been around a long time. FanFest in uh, three months. Not FanFest, Vegas, whatever we call it. Yeah. Okay, Vegas. let me take a look at some of Not these questions. Vegas. Any plans to evac supers from asset safety? Uh, I mean... We don't have our super cap fleet trapped or anything, so no. We do have a plan if there is like a worst case scenario. I think we mentioned that a couple of weeks ago that, you know, we have like finance and such that uh, if there is a situation where there is trouble or we really need to bail people out, we have the ability to do it and we will. 
Uh, but basically, like, <laughs> I'm not too worried about supers and asset safety after the last three weeks of these dumb motherfuckers trying to pound their way into 3D and then getting sent off covered in shit and misery uh, the way that you've all been kicking the crap out of them. Let me take some more. Best F2 to fly well in a carrier fleet. Oh, that's an interesting question. I think uh, I'm actually not qualified to answer that one tactically. I, so Thanos Underlord has a also, good question, which is, what is the best F2 to fly well in a carrier fleet? I mean, a Dictor or a Boucher is always a, a good one. That's good uh, something that too? you can. It kind of probably depends upon your personal ability to micromanage things. To say that you don't know is like, uh, is really, it takes a confident person to be in front of so many people and say, like, I'm not sure how to answer that. That's a very confident person. Things, right like you need to find something that you can do and practice that works and then for he does you, his best answer and everybody's going to be different on that like you know some people are just naturally gifted multi-boxers and they can run you know do stuff like kun me does right the thing about the f2 stuff is that we're not telling you to imitate somebody else's skill set we're telling you to find a thing for your skill set ideally like dictors boosters and things that are referenced in that uh in the cultural revolution thread uh but find something that you can do that you can develop that skill that contributes to the cause. Uh, and that's going to be a little different for everybody. So find what interests you, find what contributes, find what you can get good at and do comfortably. Uh, and that'll be different for everyone. Yeah, wobbling dictors, especially for carriers, is probably a, a good idea. All right. I think I've covered most of the main questions here. I want to thank you all for owning so much face this last week. Uh, again, it, it's Finishing nice to be here. able to get up here and do a fireside where I'm like, yeah, dudes, like you're doing fantastic. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep responding rapidly to the fleets. Like, I... did you get that again? We talked about this negative. I'll play it one more time. See if you can hear through it. Last week. Right here. All right. I think I've covered most of the main questions here. I want to thank you all for owning so much face this last week. Uh, again, it's nice to be able to get up here and do a fireside where I'm like, yeah, dudes, like you're doing fantastic. And there it is. That's the positive. Think of the white, the white space in that comment. It's nice to get up here and uh, congratulate you guys on doing a great job. Well, the negative space of that is it sucks when I have to come up here and, uh, you know, do something else instead of congratulating you. So the leader has to watch for that negative space. When he signals one thing, what is the opposite signaling? Because of it, the past, there's a record there. And, uh, you can hear the relief in his voice, too. And he deserves relief because the Imperium did a good job repelling attacks uh, as far as uh, Matani is concerned. So here it is one more time. I think I've covered most of the main questions here. I want to thank you all for owning so much face this last week. Uh, again, it's nice to be able to get up here and do a fireside where I'm like, yeah, dudes, like you're doing fantastic. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep responding rapidly to the fleets like I just, it's wonderful. I've got a, a fireside that's full of gold stars. And I really just want people to get in mind of the CSM election this year is going to be different. Uh, that's going to be the note I'm going to leave you with. Uh, the CSM election is going to be different this year, and we're going to fucking stack that council with as many goons as we can get on there. Uh, and so plan around that. It'll be interesting, and we're going to have to work four times as hard uh, to make the CSM work this year uh, because we're not doing any deals with puppies. Uh, but fuck all puppies forever, and I think we can do it. I think we've got enough people here that are engaged in uh, in this war uh, that we can uh, rock that. In the meantime, just keep manning the fucking walls. Again, guys, an hour before all vulnerabilities open, just be watching fucking director bot. Uh, expect flash forms. That's what the enemy is going to do, and we need to be ready to rock. 
thank you all for coming and let's keep it up another couple weeks of this and their fucking necks are going to be broken and i am eagerly looking forward to that and i'm sure you all too see you next week guys all right boys and girls we're gonna get started here in a couple minutes that's the ending of uh the town hall from this sunday i do want to before we move on to pappy's uh town hall not pappy's actually it was just legacy um again looking at the negative space of that last uh thing i think it kind of sneaks by but this is an important thing because he said it two or three times during uh this he said if we can do this for two more weeks and there's two ways to look at that one is just get your guys over the next hump two weeks like two more weeks guys working hard and we'll break them and that sets up again uh, a measurement if you don't break them in two weeks do your guys get demoralized do they start feeling like hey you said two weeks ago we'd be like breaking them and they're not and, and if you do that too many times you start tiring your guys out unless you can you know twist them in a different direction later but let's hear that last part just one more time you all for coming and let's keep it up another couple weeks of this and their fucking necks are going to be broken and i am eagerly so uh it's not a promise and you know nobody's going to hold them to it but it sticks in the back of uh, people's heads like um when you're when you're at week six and two weeks ago you were supposed to be like you know gaining momentum but again the other side of it is just get your guys over the next hump worry about the next hill after this one okay you guys want to take a quick break uh we can do why don't we uh, take a quick break so you guys can stretch relax get a drink or do something else and i don't know why oh here uh, we're going to take a little bit of a commercial this one's longer than usual it's two minutes so that's enough time to get up stretch and do something else in a because uh, we have another uh about an hour to go maybe because test has about an hour it will be interrupting it so we'll be back in two minutes Okay, if you can still see me, then you're a member or something, and the commercials don't affect you, so um, you can hang out with me while I drink uh, some water. Uh, so if you can see me, uh, put a, one of you guys put an X in there. I just want to see, like, how it works. I have to create my own commercials so that... Uh, okay good thank you that means you guys are like gifted subs or whatever that's awesome can i just tell you guys then something secret i really made uh worm some wormholders angry this week and uh, you'll have to see the sunday show on why but it was uh i don't enjoy it it's not a lot of fun but at the same time i find it kind of amusing because a lot of people this is what i really like write me directly and say Hey man, you really pissed off a lot of people. And I love that they can write me directly and and that they feel that they have that access, you know, that I'm not hiding away or whatever. Like they, they're writing me to say, like, you gotta fix your you gotta fix your shit. You know what I mean? So I thought that was cool. Okay, coming back in 20 seconds. <laughs> uh I'll save that for when we go back. All right. Welcome back, Talking In Stations. We are doing our What War Leaders Are Saying segment where we listen to uh, the leaders of uh, Imperium or Pappy or, and we compare their messaging for that week. I also want to point out Aurea has an ad suggestion here. Do you have problems with your mute button? Introducing the new TIS Are You Muted Show Light. 
It blinks when you talk while muted. And if there exists, I would love to buy that for myself because we have uh, a bad history of accidentally muting. But you can see, like, sometimes I have to work with a household that's alive and people are walking around. I don't have a man cave or a garage. Okay, let's get to it. Here you go. We're going to listen to now. This is actually hosted by not Billy, but pro God legend of Test. And he's talking to all of Legacy. He'll establish that at first. He'll go through some of the stuff. What we're going to learn in this is the more or less the pappy side of what's going on in the war. And key, I think, here is uh, their explanation on what's going on. Because remember, they're not making much progress that's notable. And so they'll have to explain that. And the other thing is they'll have to talk about what these uh, LARPies are and what the fighters uh, being destroyed means, and if that is a strategic goal or not. So we'll find out about that. And if not, I'll I'll weigh in on that. So here we go. This is Pro God Legend, recorded yesterday. Yeah, today is a joint test legacy town hall. Obviously, test pilots are on test comms, legacy are on legacy comms, and we'll be fielding questions, as much as this pains me to say it, through text today instead of voice. Um which is a good thing or a bad thing. It gives me the opportunity to ignore a lot of your questions. But uh, then again, I don't get to enforce microphones. So uh, we'll have to deal with it. But uh, yeah, it's been a couple months since we had the last Test Legacy Town Hall uh, when uh, the mumble got fucked up and we had to do it on Twitch and all that good stuff. But uh, things have changed. This is now the final phase of the war. Uh, we've gotten everyone set up in their new space. A lot of you have gotten comfortable in the new space. We are finally established in our new home. And somehow we managed to do all this without losing a single keep star back in our old space. So as far as we're concerned, we still control all of our old space too. And whenever we feel like it, we can go back and, uh, exert, um, full force projection in all of that space. So... The fact that we were able to pick up these three regions and move into them, and eventually uh, they will feel fully like home, hopefully they are starting to feel like home, without losing any of our force projection in our old space is pretty amazing. And it's something we were planning on doing before the M2 battle. Uh, obviously, we didn't plan on losing all the uh, structures that we ended up losing, but the M2 battle kind of fucked everything up. But uh, somehow we have now ended up in the position that we uh, talked about being in back in the, the legacy leadership meetings, alliance leadership meetings, um, back in like October with all the alliance leaders when we were discussing what we wanted to look like post-war. Uh, the only thing left, and it's you know just a little minor thing, is that uh, goons still live in the 1DQ constellation. So think? that is going to be our sole focus for the future. Uh, we've been doing it for the past two or three weeks. Um, we have started the siege of the 1DQ constellation, and we've been mostly pretty experimental. We've been trying out a lot of different things, kind of seeing what the environment is like, what these fights are going to be like, how goons are going to react, what we can and can't get away with, and we finally got a pretty good feel of it. Uh, we've been doing, I would say, very well in the battles. We had a few minor hiccups in the battles and then obviously uh before he goes into that i kind of want to point something out uh, he's saying look we approached uh, 1dq this is the final phase 
we're uh, looking to see what they're going to do and we're testing and kind of experimenting we're trying to figure out like you know they're they're basically two big uh, gorillas like circling in a ring you know kind of figuring out like do i go for the knee or do i go for the shoulder whatever um if you've ever seen tournament play alliance, like alliance tournament or anything like that uh, it's incredibly deep gameplay because it's not just the performance on the field but it's also the uh the elimination ships strategy that you have to um be really good at to eliminate what might be a good doctrine against you and even deeper than that is to not play your cards quickly like you want to save certain oh thanks ron for that uh, raid appreciate that you want to save that um that like like that doctrine for a certain time or a certain like tier right you don't want to play your best stuff right at first you might want to save it you, you don't want to like spoil any surprises. So that happens in warfare as well. You want to hide some doctrines until you think they're ready to go. And, uh, and I think that's kind of what he's speaking to is like, they're feeling things out. Imperium will also feel things out and try to figure out what the counters are, but they're not always playing all their cards at the same time. And I think he'll get into that. The two big mistakes, which fueled goons for like an entire week, even though they, they fuck up most of these battles was losing those two fleets to bombing runs, um, one in the AUTZ and one in the USTZ on the same day. But other than that, we have done exceptionally well. Uh, considering the odds that we're against, um, it, it is it's kind of amazing that what we've been able to accomplish so far just in experimenting. And now that we're getting a feel for it, uh, I, I, am, I haven't been this interested in the tactical side of the game in a long time. Uh, it, the... The amount of theory crafting that's going on, uh, and, and I, I think I told one of our FCs that these fights are so large and so uh, basically um, attrition warfare type, uh, you know, single grid battles that we're almost back to basic principles now, um, where you know DPS is key and things like that. So. I think what you're about to see and what you've already been getting over the past couple of weeks is some of the most unique EVE content there will ever be. Definitely some of the most unique EVE content in my EVE career. And I've been playing for 13 years and been a block FC for 11 years. Uh, this kind of large scale focused in a single constellation, subcap versus fighter versus subcap type warfare um is definitely unique and these these big wars already don't come around very often this one's obviously lasted longer than most um but this is almost an entirely different dynamic than we've been at for the past year and uh it, this is definitely unique in and of itself so as far as eat content goes this is kind of a once in a career or once in a gaming lifetime opportunity to experience something unique um, and, and different kind of content. I know the tie-dye can be frustrating at times, but um, at least things are dying and dying rapidly, even in tie-dye. There's just a lot of bloodshed going on. Uh, and you get a chance to fly a lot of different kinds of uh, fleet comps. And uh, we're starting to come up with some unique things. I, I think as legacy pilots, uh, as a coalition... You guys all know that we tested the Blarpies out uh, seven, eight months ago, and that was... Well, he's moving on to Blarpies, and they're actually going to talk about that. But I want to go back a second to what he's saying is, like, this is some of the most interesting content you're going to see. Back to the basics. 
is basically he's saying this is going to be a brawl because that's what it used to be like. And that's something that I know because I flew with Pro God Legend. He's really good at. Uh, so that's what he's saying. Like, I'm really interested in what's going on here. We have the two massive armies right next to each other. And subcaps are really what's in style right now because you don't want to lose, uh, you know, bigger stuff in a... In a if you if you don't have to you want to if you're going to it's going to be a grinding war you want to grind with stuff that's inexpensive remember battle cruisers and below got cheaper so if you're using that now and losing that now you're actually coming out ahead but if you're losing uh say battleships they're kind of on the fence and above uh that is a problem so how do you really hurt somebody in this kind of scenario i think pappy is looking at fighters because fighters aren't expensive but they're a pain to create uh, it's not that easy to source them. It's not like ships. So for some reason, fighters have, are on the menu. And that's what these blarpies, which are harpies with blasters and they're short range and tacklers, and they can hit fighters because they're small too. Uh, that's why these things are popular and a doctrine. So let's go into why that is. It's one of our anti-fighter concepts we came up with for period basis fights way back in the day. And uh, we've been sitting on those for seven or eight months now, waiting for the right opportunity. Aha! So I didn't even hear this the first time I listened to it, because I skimmed these things before. But uh, there it is. He's saying we were saving that for the right occasion. And so they haven't used them in this war. But uh, now they roll them out because the terrain's right for it, and they didn't want to waste that surprise. Interesting or the right situation where they would excel, and we found it over the past week. Um, that's just one example of uh, some of the stuff we're coming up with. And uh, we've got a lot of cool things in the pipeline. But I just wanted to get that out of the way and, and say that uh, as far as content goes, as far as gameplay goes, this is definitely some of the most unique EVE gameplay there will ever be. Uh, now, as far as getting goons out of Delve, uh, this is going to be a tough, tough road ahead. And the advantage, the, the mechanics we're up against are, are pretty ridiculous. So we've been over this before. The, this is by far the most um, advantages that defenders have ever had in EVE history. These defensive game mechanics are, are astronomically ridiculous. And I'm almost 100% confident um, that by the time we actually do kick goons out of 1DQ and, and fully take both and win this war, within a month or two, CCP will come out. Uh, yeah, you better ready, Bridge? Yeah, only Tackle and Jackdaws are taking this first bridge. We're going to save an Antiplex real quick from Bombers. So only Tackle and Jackdaws are taking this first bridge. So Joseph, go ahead and light, please. Only Tackle and Jackdaws this one. Uh, test fleet's bridging, guys. Stand by. Tackle and Jackdaws, you're going to go... Right. Um, so yeah, like, I, I am quite confident, just like what happened with Warkles and uh, the bounty system and all of the econ changes, that the moment goons stop benefiting from it, um, CCP will nerf it. And that's not to say that they're doing it to favor <laughs> goons or I don't that think goons so. are doing anything. It, it's just... Goons were very good at recognizing the Oracle thing early, and then it got nerfed. And goons lucked into a good defensive strategy, uh, kind of. Oh, I see what he's saying. But um, other than that, I, I just think that um, eventually these defensive game mechanics will be nerfed. But in the meantime, this is definitely the hardest 
strategic and tactical situation that an attacker has ever had to deal with. But it's a challenge that we're kind of excited about, um, and it's why where this unique EVE content's coming from that I've, I've been talking about. And it's definitely not insurmountable, uh, just because it's difficult and just because it, it's probably slightly imbalanced and will be fixed in the future in some way, shape, or form. Arising there, dancing down there. Yeah, go for, go for it, guys. Um, just because it's a uh, very difficult and, and you know probably not entirely balanced and will get changed a little bit in the future doesn't mean it's insurmountable, and doesn't mean we're not excited for it. Um, if we thought it was impossible, we wouldn't be trying. And um, I, there is no greater collection of theory crafters and, and game mechanics experts. Uh, than we have among the Pappy leadership team. So we are definitely aware of what is and isn't possible, and it is definitely possible to drive goons out of the 1DQ uh, constellation. And it's not even a small chance. I am still as confident as I was a month ago or two months ago or three months ago. Hey guys, when you get here, warp to the sun at different ranges. I'm going at 50. The strategy just warp there. Just go at different ranges. Clearly having an eye while they're having their town. Sorry, legacy test guys are out. But it is definitely going to be difficult. So as we've done before, and as we're going to continue to do, we are trying to manage your expectations. This is going to be a just, long, bloody slog. But So he just came out and said it, you know, and it's true. It's absolutely true. But it's almost like saying like, hey, here are the people behind the curtain. Uh, instead of just doing it, he's saying, we have to do this. This is how we win. We have to control your expectations. Which Tess did, which uh, Horde did when they had the um, the one DQ pivot. Uh, they basically said, "Don't look for a big, big fight. That's not going to happen. If it happens, it'll happen, you know, uh, organically. But we're not planning to go full steam ahead. So don't look for that. Lower your expectations. That's a big part of long term warfare. There you go. It will at least be different from what we've done the past three or four months where we were killing Goon Keep Stars uncontested or what we did during the first few months of the war or what we had to do in Fountain. What makes this long is that there will be a lot of battles that we have to go through before we make a little bit of progress here and then a little bit of additional progress and then a little bit of additional progress. So this will actually be a lot of fun in that it will be difficult. And then by the time it's all said and done, when uh, we are finally sitting in 1DQ and killing the last Goon Keepstar, you guys will be able to look around and say that no group in EVE has ever accomplished anything that we just accomplished. It will be the greatest accomplishment in EVE history to overcome these mechanics and, you know, Goon's uh, essential cult that they're running over there with their war bond Ponzi scheme. Um, it, it will be quite a, a, an incredible achievement. And it's definitely one worth uh, pursuing, and it's one we are going to pursue with 100% focus and commitment. And not just Test and Legacy, but all of Pappy and everyone involved in there. Uh, we just had a, a, a high command, if you want to call it that, or just Pappy uh, top leadership meeting yesterday. And there was not a single person who was not 100% fully committed to doing whatever it took to drive goons out of that constellation. So... Over the next couple of weeks, we are going to finish introducing introducing um, additional ship types and strategies and tactics that we will be using, and we'll be ramping up the pressure uh, slowly but surely. Uh, now that we have a good idea of how we want to play this, we are going to continue to 
increase the amount of uh, fights that we're generating. We're going to spread it around time zones. I know EUTZ, you haven't got as much action as USTZ or AUTZ lately. We're going to continue to get you guys in. And we're going to continue to do everything that we possibly possibly can. Any trick we can pull out, anything that we can possibly muster, we're going to do it. And what's going to end up happening is we're actually going to end up orienting ourselves into a organizational structure that is optimal for this new meta that is evolving in EVE with the way that CCP has organized the economy and all of the uh, diminishing returns bullshit and all of that. Because we're already we're fighting out of the space that we already live in, so we're basically going to create this war machine within our home space, and then when we're finally done driving goons out, we'll already have all the infrastructure, all of the uh, industry uh, production lines set up the way we'd want to, and pretty much everything there. So in general, that's how we're going to. Uh, that's basically what legacy is going to be up to for the foreseeable future, maybe two months, maybe three months, maybe four months. Uh, now he's saying two months, maybe three months that we're going to be here pounding away. And the Imperium is saying two weeks. And so you can see how that's a, a, a definite calibration of expectations. And one of those two groups is more right than the other. So it's going to be interesting to see, um, which one, and if the rhetoric doesn't match the results. Um, you know, I actually think we're making a, a decent amount of progress and that we've uh, established an effective way to fight under their Sino Jammers and we'll continue to evolve on it. Um, but that is going to be the focus of Test and Legacy for the foreseeable future. We cannot live in this new space that we have established until we get drive goons out of it completely. And to that uh, point, um, while we have generally had an attitude that we want legacy alliances to be mostly self-sufficient and independent. It's why we don't do a lot of legacy town halls and we kind of try to leave the communication up to alliances internally since this is our sole focus and our sole purpose um, and our only goal that we really need to achieve that is remaining. We're going to be running regularly. There will be no more test only town halls. We're going to be running regular test legacy town halls. Um, and kind of trying to unify the communication at the very least. Um, we're doing most of our fleets as Pappy Assemble fleets and Test Legacy fleets, so we might as well unify our communication as well. Uh, it's the only thing we're unifying, and, and you know the SRP is starting to flow pretty much all from the same wallet or close to it. Ooh, that's and interesting. We'll do some more as well um, going forward. I don't think that's completely true. I think PL worries about stalking their own guys. I don't think it's group SRP, but it might be between other groups. I'm not sure. Uh, that's actual news to me that uh, reimbursements are kind of coming from a singular pot as opposed to everybody, every man for themselves kind of thing. Forward. But um, as we get, this is not a, uh, a permanent thing. Um, we still liked that legacy alliances were able to operate on their own, and that will be a thing in the future. Just like uh, test comms being reorganized the way it is is only for the war, and this war keeps going, dragging on. But for the duration of it, as we um, you know continue to siege 1DQ, test legacy town halls will be joint uh, from now on. I don't know if we'll have them bi-weekly or switch to weekly. For now, we'll say bi-weekly. 
Um, yeah, one sec. Let me fix that one second. That should have hopped ahead. Uh, I don't know if we'll switch to, to weekly or just keep it bi-weekly. For now, we'll say bi-weekly. Um, Future A few meetings. minor things. Uh, tools we'll be introducing. Uh, the Blarpy is now Pappy official. That is uh, Pappy wide. Uh, another test legacy uh, creation. Uh, we might be introducing Rocket Hawks as well for all you legacy pilots that still have uh, Hawks. Um, we might switch them to Rockets and be using those. Uh, we have still not decided yet. One thing we are going to be introducing, uh, we built the holes for it and we're ready to push it out officially, is Flycatcher Fleet. This one's going to be pretty critical. Mm. It's, um, the opportunities haven't presented themselves yet, but they will as we make progress. And there have been a few opportunities where we could have really used it. Uh, a lot of you probably can't fly flycatchers, even if you can fly jackdaws. If it's not a difficult train for you, we encourage it. If you can fly it, we definitely want you to get one. Uh, flycatcher fleet is basically jackdaw fleet, but with flycatchers instead of jackdaws. And you can do all kinds of fancy shit with them. Um, so You see, the uh, I think they're cheaper, which is one thing. And also lower skill requirements, but... Uh... I don't think anybody's running out of money yet, but I like the idea that people are looking at costs and looking at uh, a little less effective on the DPS, maybe, uh, but a lot less cheaper, a lot more reproducible. They're looking at a grinding war, which is cool. We will definitely be using that. We've got a couple more things in the pipeline that we'll be pushing out this week. Um, what we are going to say is in T5, uh, there's some doctrines we haven't used in a while that we're probably going to start pushing out. Uh, nothing's official yet, but um, we want, since uh, prices have gone up on everything, uh, any doctrine that we can retire, we're kind of looking at so that you can move it to Jita and sell it for its stupidly inflated price and make some money. Uh, so at least you, all of your assets have gone up in value. Um, so there is that. But uh, other than that, um, we're going to streamline all of our doctrines as much as we can to the task at hand. Uh, so right now it's just Harpy and uh, Flycatchers. Hawks, probably, not official yet, but Legacy Pilots, if you have your Hawks, hold on to those. Probably have to buy some rocket launchers for them because um, that's what they'll be. But uh, we'll see. I'll have that answer for you in the next 48 hours probably. And then at the end of the week, we'll probably know which doctrines we're getting rid of. Um so, uh, beyond that, I think we can move to the question stage. Let me just clear something up. Uh, flycatchers are actually more expensive than jackdaws. I believe flycatchers uh, work with the blarpies. That would make sense to me since you would want to uh, slow things down and get into range with the, the blarpies. So you need flycatchers with that, maybe? That's a guess. Uh, but... Uh, so that's why flycatchers are on their list of ships they'll be using. Correct me if I'm wrong, by the way, Billy, if you're out there. And now we'll go to question and answer period, and we'll go, there's a few good questions here, and um, we'll go as long as we can on this. Okay, here we go. So here's how we're going to do this. Test pilots, you can go in the sidebar as usual. Legacy pilots... Let's use the legacy chat on legacy Discord. Um, you can ask a question there, and I'll just rotate test question, legacy question, test question, legacy question from there. You can type it now. Test pilots, you don't have to say it. 
Uh, Jeremy and Shadow, you ever gonna bridge these guys to the port of or is it not time yet? Ten minutes. Oh shit, it's twenty thirty nine. Yeah. Whatever. Well, now we know when they Fair recorded enough. this. We'll wait. Um, so this is a good question. Excellent from Test S. Well, the Diplo Agreement Wiki, specific to Test Wiki, but this is relevant to everybody. Uh, be updated to show which parts of Delve can be grabbed in by which alliance. Obviously, we have different alliances living in Delve, and this is also coalition-wide. Uh, we will make sure that we establish the, the ratting rules properly. Obviously, everyone rats in their own space, and I think we've, we're almost done transferring the space out to everyone who needs it, uh, depending on where they are. I know there's still some left to go, but uh, each alliance should at least know where their space is at this point. And there is a couple of transfers still going on. But, uh, yeah, we will make sure that each alliance is aware of where they're supposed to be ratting and where they can and cannot rat. Okay, uh, let's jump to a question see. here. Uh, Hoyes asks, is there a plan to, in place to remove Goonies from NPC Delve? Uh, that answer is yes. We've already removed the, a lot of their structures. Uh, one of the things they're about to do here in 14 minutes is kill the last Goon structures. Huh. And um, from there, goons will have no structures left in Delve, which will leave just the NPC stations in Delve Core, uh, which can be camped. You know, you can put bubbles on them, you can camp them, you can do all kinds of stuff there. Goons will obviously still be able to stage out of them, but we'll we'll be able to harass them. As and goons actually did a pretty good job when they live at Delve of making those NPCs Delve stations as frustrating to live out of as possible. Now, I remember earlier in the war when uh, Predators moved there, they had to do a lot to get out of those stations. They're capable of it because Predators is amazing, but um, it's definitely not easy. So we can definitely uh, increase the pain there. Well, that's big news. I think the last structure went down in Delve. I have to check that out, but that's huge. And this was yesterday, so it's recent. And uh, MPC is the Serenin. You, you heard on the other side of it is like, we're not going to Serenin, uh, Serenin. Uh, and that is, in this case, of course, Cernan is the echo from 2016. But what it means is we're not going to uh, low-sec space. Uh, we're not leaving our SOV. We're not going to NPC Delve. You're not going to get us to move there. Uh, and that's the question they were answering. If they asked Progod, if the Imperium retreats to NPC Delve, can we, do we have a plan to get him out? And he says yes. And then he talks about why. Let's go on to this next question. Uh, T-Ray asks, will we chase goons across the map once we one dick you, once we remove them from the constellation? One DQ, oh, Jesus, dude. You spelled it like, that's unbelievable. Um, once we remove them from the one <laughs> DQ constellation. I didn't catch that. Uh, so, yes and no. What I can tell you is the original agreement that is still in place and was just reaffirmed yesterday is that all of the Pappy Alliances are in this to see it through to the end. And when we said that all the way back last July, that included making sure that goons just didn't do exactly what they did after war, the original war B and move to Delve and immediately reestablish themselves. So we are committed to making sure that they feel the pain considerably and, and are reduced in strength and power and size. And most importantly, and the whole reason for this war, influence. Um, trapping all of their supers and titans in the Ermalin station will go a long way to doing that. Um, Why Ermalin? He calls it Ermalin. Uh, it could be Ermalin or Ermalin. You see that is in low sec. It is the asset safety station for Delve, pretty much. 
So it is suspected that anything that is um, destroyed in 1DQ will end up in Ermelin. Ermelin is uh, camped already by Pappy and uh, the surrounding area. So they, they basically got nets all over that sandcastle if that's where uh, one, you know, the exit strategy to 1DQ. Matani's already said last week, and he reiterated, I think this week, that if anything goes wrong, they're not planning to leave uh, 1DQ. He denies that they're locked in. and But just in case, if something goes wrong, they have a plan to help people in 1DQ. They will pay for your super um, fees because you're going to have to pay 15% of your super uh, to get it out of storage, out of the locker at uh, Ermelin, if that's what you do, if you move your, through asset safety, move your uh, Titan to that station. And it becomes a really deadly scenario if you think it through, because you're an NPC station and you have a super capital like a, a super carrier or a Titan, that can only undock once, and then it must jump to safety. That's a hard proposition for anybody who's a straggler, um, and it gets more complicated. Okay, let's go on. Um, but obviously we want to make sure they don't just go take two regions right across the map um, immediately and start farming again. Um, Next question. Mark London said, are we expecting a goon's breakout bulge style from 1DQ Constellation? I'm assuming you mean Battle of the Bulge. And uh, no, they kind of can't even leave the 1DQ Constellation. What's super interesting is not only can they not leave it strategically, uh, but they can't even leave it leave it tactically. Uh, like today, when uh, AOM got their supers tackled earlier today. Um, Army of Mangoes, this happened yesterday because this is when it was recorded. Uh, they had a super, I think, tackled. I'm not sure. I think there might have been a Vendetta tackled as well. Uh, Army of Mango is able to save all of it, and they didn't lose anything. And this is an explanation on how that happened. Goons formed a Munin fleet and started flying towards Esoteria. And, of course, we flash-formed and trapped that Munin fleet. And since they have no structures left, they have nowhere they can jump Titans to, to Titan Bridge back home. So that Munin fleet just kind of got stuck there, and we could have kept it there as long as we felt like. And Goons are slowly going to start to realize that they, just because they live in Delve, they can't actually do anything here. Um, you know, there's a difference between our Keepstar projection over in the east where we can actually do stuff you know, out of UQ or GE when we form and we can travel back easily. Uh, goons can't do that. They just, um, they don't have that kind of capability, I guess. Uh, so let's make sure we meet that guy. Okay, next question. And that's an interesting point. I think what he's saying, and uh, I haven't seen it on the ground, but he's saying that's an illustration of what it's like to conquer territory. You control movement. And that's a big deal. And so he's pointing out that Goonswarm really doesn't have options to be able to project. They're trapped in 1DQ, according to ProGuy. And that's an example of why. Here we go. Uh, Waldrell asks, is it possible Goons will surrender? If so, will we let Jim just take their stuff and leave? Goons will never surrender, and I doubt we would accept it. So I don't think either of those situations are likely. Uh, daylight from what Vili said, correct me if I'm wrong, but last week, Vili, last time we did this, Vili said, we, you know, we'll consider that if it happens, but it probably won't happen. Uh, here, ProGuard is putting his uh, a more definite no, <laughs> won't accept surrender. You heard the reverse, too. If uh, I think when we were listening 
to the fireside, somebody asked if Billy were to walk back his comments, is there some kind of a plan or and he's like, nope, no plan, no surrender. Uh, so I think both groups are in it for extermination, which is, I think what Billy was trying to say was nobody's, nobody's coming out of this war to be friends later. Like this is the end for, for some group, you know? And I think that's why he overplayed the rhetoric at the beginning and, emphasized this is a war to the bitter end uh alejandra de mecco asked what would your response be to the goon assertion that we've made no progress over the past i guess three weeks and that we are going to stall out on 3d 1dq um i'd say i mean technically we haven't gotten the structure anchored we they've lied to their members and said we didn't do anything to other structures too which isn't true we've killed towers we've established our own towers um, the thing about this situation, and oh, and this is not immediately obvious, is that it's – let's say we do get a structure up in there. Let's say – like we talked about, we got two towers. Well, obviously, they reinforce it right away, and then the decision is whether we want to defend that in the next day or two. Um, if we don't, then they get the towers back down. They, quote-unquote, reset our progress, and so – you got to keep in mind that unless we're ready to make a big, serious push, any minor amount of progress we've made, and we've made more than goons have given us credit for, but to their point, we haven't made too much uh, technically, is that they will reset our progress unless we're ready to kind of maintain that foothold and then build on it. So knowing that going into this, we did not have any expectations of getting any serious progress done right away. What we viewed as far more important and what we've made ample progress on, and goons don't want to admit this to their members, is learning how this scale of combat would play out. Like I've said, this is an entirely unique situation. And what we've done now is we've figured out basically what is and isn't possible at this scale and what goons are capable and what they're not capable of doing. And obviously they're evolving their tactics too, but goons do have a couple of uh, flaws in their strategic thinking that have existed throughout the war that still exist now that are allowing us to basically not worry too much about what they learn and what they might apply going forward. Uh, it's far more important what we learn and apply going forward uh because i'll just be blunt goons only have one block fc uh well two asher and v and elo when he decides to play um but uh v's probably the only like true theory crafter on their side and then asher kind of does his like run away with missile doctrines thing but um they don't have a whole lot of high level theory crafters for those that don't know it, I'm sure everybody does, but a block level FC is unique uh, in usually. You can have, uh, of course, your corporate roaming FCs, and you can have your alliance FCs that are, you know, trusted with a certain amount of ships. Uh, but when you start getting into coalitions, that's a block. And so somebody that commands the entire coalition, that's multiple alliances, that is somebody who's incredibly experienced. Uh, so there are very few of those, uh, and they're... They're kind of rare, but Pappy has a bunch of them because it's coming with a lot of coalitions. And uh, the Imperium, he is saying, only has like, you know, three or two or three. A theory crafter is somebody that comes up with new concepts on how to fight with what ships, with what equipment. And that's uh, usually kind of an alchemist for warfare. Somebody who can 
figure out a new way of using equipment to create some interesting gameplay. And uh, both are really important to an organization. You need multiples if you can get it. So we're not terribly worried about them, you know, evolving their tactics at all. Uh, like today, they started putting out SS fighters instead of light fighters. And hilariously, Matani actually pinged that out as like some kind of, you know, unbelievable, uh, like eureka moment that one of their FCs had. And it's it's completely pointless. Like, it's so stupid. It, it will do nothing. Um, but, uh, I mean, this is the kind of theory crafting prowess that we're talking about over there. It's just, it's not a threat. So we were more concerned about figuring out, uh, how we were going to play this going forward, which we had no clue going in because you just can't know until you experience it. And so we've, you know, been able to fight under a jammer in an enemy system where they can bring constant reinforcements and win consistently. Um, now that we know that we can do that, now we can start looking, okay, where are we going to make our beachhead? How are we going to maintain it? And then how are we going to build on it? Um, so like we said, it's a long process. And obviously, you know, we've got to man manage burnout and, and make sure it's still fun. Uh, so we're, we're not in a position where we want to press too hard yet. And we're never in a position where we need to, by the way. Um, that's the other thing that goons uh, don't seem to understand is that everyone now has a place to live and place to make money. And we're, you know, basically establishing ourselves. We can take technically as long as we want to do this. Obviously, I'm, I'm eager to get this done as soon as possible, just like you guys are. But we're in no rush where we must have what they absolutely want, which is another M2 battle. We're in no rush. Uh, we're under no obligation to take any fight that we don't want to take. Uh, where goons must take every single fight, no matter what, or we will win. All right. He told you right there a neat little breakdown of what, what the war is going to look like, and he was very honest to say we got to like make sure we take care of you guys, the labor force, remember? Whereas Matani is trying to take his labor force and multiply it by having people do F2, which is another thing. Uh, in other words, like, you know, show up to fleets, but also do more than that so we don't burn out our core. And uh, we have people that uh, could take up a lot of slack, so do that. Um, what uh, Progod is saying is uh, we need to, like, keep you healthy and interested and engaged. And uh, both groups are dependent on their guys showing up because that's part of the strategy. But he's saying we have the advantage in a sense that we can relax and uh, start using the land to harvest and keep, get our industry going. And we have things to build. We have things to look forward to. The Imperium doesn't have anything to look forward to except survival. And that's a different equation mentally. So he's saying they kind of have the mental advantage. So, you know, we're going to continue to approach this at a, as a steady and in a in a steady and smart way and goons are going to continue to flail around on reddit and scream as loudly as possible because they realize there's really nothing they can do to force us to do anything other than the smart thing um even though they are going to great lengths to to make reddit a cesspit and to kind of play their little mind games you, they're starting to make like more fake accounts on reddit to pretend to be in horde and things like that and like all kinds of ridiculous stuff so um, expect them to scream like a child even more than they usually have as they, as they try to get us, which are essentially their parents now, 
to give them a lollipop. But um, we're under no obligation to do that, and we basically do own them, as they cannot do anything other than flash form and defend every single time we even ping. So it's kind of up to us how much we want to you know, push, and we're not going to do it in anything other than the smartest way possible. Some some taunting there, some name calling. Not name calling, some taunting. Uh, Juzio asks, Goons seem to have a presence in Pochin and Wormhole space. Are we going to interfere with this? Auschwitz. Absolutely. We are already putting plans in place for this. Oh, this is interesting because it's very current. Uh, we'll report on this in the future, but we say there's something of a proxy war going on in there. Austrian guys do not like that. They don't want to be compared or even uh, said to be working with people in Nullsec because that brings in the you know their allies' enemy, and that's exactly what's happening here. Rogard gets asked, uh, "Gunzer and Poshvin, are we going in after him?" And he's saying, "Hell yes! Uh, they already have a plan to do something about that." That spells trouble for Strybog. Uh, and, uh, you know, we were just talking about at the beginning of this whole presentation, there was a structure that, that the gunner was from Goon Swarm. So it looked like it was a Goon Swarm structure. We were wrong about that. Technically, it was Strybogs. Um, and we have noticed that uh, Goon Swarm shows up to their fleets in small amounts, like 10 people or less. So it's not like a full commitment, uh, but there is enough there to uh, create the appearance of. Um, Oh, they are plus five, by the way, to Goon Swarm. So there is uh, something there that Tess can hold on to and say, we're going in and we're going to fight uh, in that proxy war in Poshman. And that is bad news for Strybog. Uh, Juzio asks, Goons seem to have a presence in Pochin and Wormhole Space. Are we going to interfere with this? Absolutely. We are already putting plans in place for this. We will hunt the Goon wherever they may be. Legacy, take that bridge. Uh, Tess, go ahead and take the bridge as well. Titan Bridge to Garmer Girl Bathwater. I love that. <laughs> what a name. <laughs> bridge, 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 bridge. I, I must have left that in on purpose. Yes, that name cracked me up when I first heard it. Uh, Johan asked, why in ops a couple of times recently when we finally won the grid and uh, wore them down to a point where they started bringing crap? We have instead evac'd instead of following up to hit some infrastructure. So uh, this is a good question, and uh, I'm happy to answer it. So let's take Friday night, for example, where we fought for three or four hours, and we, we finally gained um, superiority on the gate, and we were able to hold the grid and kind of reestablish our fleets. And goons were constantly reshipping, and their fleets weren't necessarily as big as they used to be. Why didn't we go do something else? Um, so there, there is a Vuln window there, and we did hit a couple of towers, by the way. But uh, the Vuln window was closed. And so our options are to go hit, you know, any structures in system, which we could do. But as I said, and I've, I'm going to continue to reiterate this because it is important to manage expectations, we weren't in there to get any particular structure and to reinforce because we're not going to capitalize on it the next day anyway. We're not ready to make that sustained push yet. What we were in there for was to see if our tactics can work and we could win that battle, and then if we can set up another structure or two like we did, we hit some towers, we dropped an Asbel to set up the next fight, then that's what we will do. But um, we had already gone for four or five hours, and we're not interested in pushing you guys to that seven or eight hour limit yet. Um, I appreciate that you're eager to do it, Johan. That that makes me happy, and I uh, it truly does. But um, 
just I got to respect your guys' playing time. I got to respect your real lives. And uh, we're not going to push you guys for that 8 to 10-hour marathon op until there's a good reason for it. So while we absolutely could have, you were 100% right. We could have, uh, you know, immediately taken that to one of their structures and started fighting them there and kept that going for another three or four hours and probably could have won. Um, but it just did not serve. It was not worth the extra four hours it was going to take to do it. Um, there will be a time, and this isn't just like me speculating. I am saying this with 100% certainty. There will be a time when we have an 8 to 10, maybe 12-hour battle like M2, but obviously not with all the Titans. And when that happens, we'll need you guys for it. And I don't want to waste your time, your 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 one or two 12-hour battles that you might have in you on a situation where we're not going to uh, gain significantly from it. So that's just something I've learned over the years that you don't want to do. You don't want to waste those big fights on things that don't actually mean anything. Um, and so we're going to save them, and we're going to make sure that you guys are still able to be forming up one, two, three months from now and into the foreseeable future. Um, Again, emphasizing this very different messaging coming from the Imperium, which is saying we're holding the line, keep holding the line. It's a war of attrition. We'll supply you with ships. You supply us with manpower. And uh, we can win this thing in two weeks. We'll break their necks because, uh, you know, we'll further impede their progress and they'll have to do that explaining to their members. So what ProGod is doing, and this, these happened at the same time, so they're not talking to each other. ProGod is uh, saying, we're, we can take this slow if we want. This is on our schedule. And we, and he's being very honest here, which is good leadership, we need to like m uh, manage your energy level, basically. So we're not going to waste you on something that doesn't matter. We're going to, we're going to, we're promising you that fight is going to happen. But when it does, we need you to be fresh. Let me pick another one here. Um, I see a couple about time zones, uh, EU time zone in particular, so I'm just going to group them all together. Uh, the EU time zone has the largest numbers from both sides, not just, Tess, not just Pappy, but Goons as well. So when we have a battle in the EU time zone, it's going to be even larger than the US and AUTZ battles we've had before, which means more tie-dye, more capitals, more... It also means that EU time zone comes before U.S. time zone. So if a battle begins in EU time zone, it can extend to 12 hours because the U.S. comes in and reinforces EU. Or everything. Um, so we actually did want to test the tactics down on a, on a smaller scale. We do plan to start spinning the EU up more, and we also are starting to bring in some, some different tactics that we can use in the EU to kind of mitigate the fact that there's going to be three, 4,000 people in the system if we get in a battle in the EU. Um, but I do expect that uh, EU will, will start to see more action soon based on the meeting we had yesterday and considerably more action in two to three weeks. Uh, yeah, so I understand that the EU hasn't got, you know, you've, if you play in the EU, you've kind of been looking at all these amazing battles in the U.S. and you're like, what the fuck, where's my turn? Remember... You got plenty of battles, and, and that's a that's always a thing in wars. You know, sometimes the time zone switches. Some time zones get more than others. Uh, EU people generally eat well most of the year, um, but we are going to work on getting the EU action up. We have plans to start 
later this week, and then hopefully by next week we're kind of getting up to those large battles that the uh, U.S. has seen. Um, and, you know, there might be a large EU battle tomorrow. Like, I, I, this is – a lot of this is hard to know for sure, but um, I can say that the general plan is to spin all three time zones up and get them into a pretty sustainable state. Right. Uh, third time zone now is AU time zone or the Chinese time zone. Uh, it's the, the Now it's big enough to be its own really considerable time zone. Uh, in the Fountain War, a lot of the war was actually spent in Australian or um, Chinese time zone. So uh, those time zones do come into play. Um, but now they're more populated than they have ever been, uh, thanks to Japanese localization Korean localization and an influx of Chinese players over the last two years. So yeah, just to follow up on that mailing, like if like I don't know what your real life schedule is if you want to adjust to when the battles are or not. I'm never encouraging you to prioritize Eve over real life, but we are going to make sure that we try to get content for everyone's time zone. So if that's all you can play is EU, we will work towards that. For those of you asking about supply questions, uh, all I can say is uh, both goons and, well, mainly just goons, uh, we're aware of it. And that's all I want to say. Hickok said, on Friday, we attempted to toast the system outside of 3D while going after 3D. The plan was faulted to CCP not reinforcing the system separately from each other. Uh, how much of an impact will node separation have during the rest of the war? Um yeah, that was really unfortunate, and um, we're doing everything we can to work this out with CCP, and they're working really hard, too. Uh, I, I want to give CCP a lot of props. We are, both us and goons, I imagine, I don't know for sure with goons, but uh, us at least have been in pretty constant contact with CCP throughout this war, and they are doing everything they can while also still remaining fair to both sides to work with us, so... That was unfortunate, and I'm actually going to chalk that one up to um, myself misunderstanding the policy that CCP had put forward. Um, that that one's actually my fault. Uh, so that was unfortunate. I, I fucked up there. And uh, so we're continuing to come to a consensus with CCP on how best this can be handled for both sides and while being handled fairly as well. Uh, so... The mature we leadership are at there? Least, and when I don't... Taking responsibility, mature leadership there. Fuck up and misunderstand the policy. We at least understand, you know, uh, how the nodes are supposed to be situated and what we can and can't get away with now. Um, so hopefully, uh, as long as I don't fuck up again, we won't run into anything like on Friday night, which is really unfortunate because we're in a pretty great, great situation and we would have absolutely crushed that Munin fleet on Friday night. But uh, it is what it is here um let's keep the let's keep the chatter and legacy chat down please just for now once the town hall's done y'all can y'all can start chattering again but uh absence a, a better method this is where i'm going to take questions from so legacy people if you want to re-ask questions there under the line you can well, let's see here uh yuri sand is a quick question what are your thoughts on the decloaky thing um I don't know. I don't know how well it's going to work. I mean, I guess you can bot it and uh, beat it or not. I'm not sure. Um, in theory, it helps us more than it helps goons because um, we've got more space that can be cloaky camped than them and uh, we can use it better. Um, so I guess, you know, finally one of the changes goon CCP has made during this war might slightly benefit us to 
where all of the other ones have kind of fucked us. But um, that would be nice for a change. But I don't know. I can't speak to how effective that thing will be until, you know, a couple months of using it. Also, remember, ProGod is running for CSM again. He was a CSM member before. It's been a few years since then. Uh, but he is running again this year. Um, someone said, how long do you think the war will last and how long can goons reimburse their losses? Uh, something I, I just to continue managing expectations here. Uh, do not expect goons to run out of morale or ISK or ships um, at any point. We're going to win this one the hard way, and it's going to be glorious when we finally do. Um, we do know that they are basically bleeding themselves of their wealth, but uh, goons have effectively turned themselves into a Ponzi scheme where through uh, um, what is essentially religious fervor, they convince all of their wow. pilots to uh, sacrifice everything they've ever made over the course of their EVE career to this pointless task that they've uh, decided on. Um, which is fine, you know, it'll be pretty amazing once we're done. All that goal, all those goals we set out at the beginning of war of weakening goons to a point of no longer being super relevant or the most relevant alliance or the most influential alliance, they're kind of doing it for us. Um, okay, hey, real quick. Yeah, go ahead. That's a, uh, guys that are still in PS10. That's an interesting, uh, it's actually an interesting analysis. Uh, it's a little, it was a little heavy handed on the cult thing, but. Uh, it is an interesting analysis that if, if you want to diminish this opponent to have them as individuals reduce their wealth uh, and armament capability, that's part of what the war objectives were. I think that's a pretty legitimate point. Whether it's happening or not, I don't know. But if it, if it is happening, that's, that's interesting. Um, so, yeah. Uh, sorry, Legacy Guys Test Comms. I uh, had to give some orders there. Um, so, the, their goons are... While this is making it harder for us in the short term, goons are doing us a massive favor in the long term and that all this test is next and legacy is next shit will be kind of useless when they've essentially destroyed everything they could have used to uh, reestablish themselves in the future. Um, so it's it's something that Billy and I have kind of giggled about privately uh, quite a few times. But um, goons are basically banking on this being, I don't know, maybe they don't have plans to do anything after this war. Maybe their leadership's just going to retire. But uh, they're kind of going to be fucked. Uh, They're banking everything on on us eventually going away, which I don't see why we would. It's Where else would we go? (laughs) I mean, we live here now. It's our space, so get fucked. Um, Well, and that's what I've been saying. I don't think it's a matter of uh, just test going away or... But when he says, like, where else would we go? That's how I think of this war, too. This is, I called it from the beginning, the end of days war, which is, you know, I'm terrible at naming things. But but the idea was, I don't see an after yet. It's still, the game is changing too much. But this is literally an end of an era between everything from 2012. So it feels to me, and we're coming down to the last months, I think. It might take another year. Who knows? But um, what we're seeing here, it's really hard to predict what comes next. There's too much at stake, and uh, CCP's Mount uh, Everest has become Mount Olympus on Mars, 100 times bigger or whatever, in order to get back the wealth that you had before. So it just feels ambiguous. And his sentiment of like, where are we going to go? What are we going to do? It's not like we're going back in time to do what we did last year or even uh, the last five years. 
this is it. This is everything. We're not going anywhere. And uh, we don't know what's after this. So it's it's really interesting to me that um, I think a lot of people feel that way about this war. So, yeah, like it, it's they're going to keep fighting. I wouldn't expect them to, to run out of stuff anytime soon. Maybe they do one day. Maybe there is a there is a limit. But uh, well, I, I should phrase that better. We're not at planning on them running out of things to fight with anytime soon. They might. It is within the realm of possibility, but we are not banking any of our strategy on goons running out of money. We're going to beat them on the battlefield. Um, Navarin said, and this is an important question, um, would it be a fair statement to say that no pivotal, pivotal battle or headshot event will occur in this war going forward and that the path forward is simply through being consistent and showing up for regular fleets. And never, and I'm apologize. I made your grammar worse on my own. And he sounds smarter than I made him sound. I misworded that. But essentially, uh, will there be no more pivotal battles or headshots? And will this just be consistent showing up for regular fleets? The answer to that is no. Uh, There almost certainly will be a pivotal battle or two at some point. Um, and there are a number of headshot opportunities that we have available to us that we could take at any time, uh, which goons may or may not be aware of. I'm not particularly worried about saying that out loud because I don't think they are, and I'm not sure they could be. Um, but we've got a number of uh, plays that we can make that would turn into a very pivotal headshot-like battle. Um, so there is definitely still that possibility. Uh, we don't have plans to make one anytime soon. Like if you remember, I don't know if we said it out loud or not. I think we did. Uh, early December, we basically made it pretty clear that we were willing to take a Titan battle on an enemy Keepstar. Um, that was basically guaranteed to generate a pivotal battle within the next two or three weeks. And uh, of course it did. Um, we're not in that situation where we must, or we feel like we're, we're going to take a pivotal battle within the next couple of weeks. It might, anything's possible, but, um, we're definitely not at that phase yet. Uh, we do have those plays available to us though. And there could be a situation, you know, next weekend where we'd be like, this is it boys. We're going to play for the next 24 hours, get online, call in home sick, all or call in uh, sick to work, all that shit. I don't know, but um, kinda, I'd say it's unlikely. It kind of is calling home to sit, to be sick. Likely in the short term, but it is definitely likely at some point during the siege. So I wouldn't say that that's out of the question. Um, uh, I think some interesting stuff there uh, because uh, again, we're we're contrasting what Test is saying. Be calm. We're gonna, it's going to take a while with what Matani's saying. You guys are winning. We're going to make ramp this machine up. And, um, you know, just next two weeks and beyond, let's say, maybe I'm concentrating on that too much, but I think that's what I said earlier was you, you don't always want to paint a picture because if that picture over time becomes not true, you have to find a different way to motivate your people and that may work against you. So we'll see again, um, if I'm making too big a deal out of that. Wayland's asking, uh, I'll basically paraphrase it as, uh, are, are we likely to step up the attack? Yes. As I've said, we are going to slowly ramp up the pressure, and you will feel that organically as we start to form more often um, and have more fights. 
And let me go back to test. Gun. Test people, you can ask more questions too as well. Um, uh, East Spartan Warrior, the Harpy fit is redone on the test wiki, and the other ones will be there soon. Um, let me scroll back up. I know. Uh, will we be using the Nosters more for the 1DQ push? Maybe. Uh, I don't know. Probably. Um, yeah. Um, are Blarpies and Rock and Hawks alternate fits for the same doctrine or separate doctrines? Um, Rock the light missile Hawk fleet, you can pretty much get rid of it. Uh, you can turn them all into Rocket Hawks, and we'll put that foot out in a second. Um, Blarpies and Rocket Hawks work essentially the same way, yes. Now, whether we want to feel Rocket Hawks over Blarpies or not, we don't know yet. And keep in mind, Rocket Hawks aren't, a, Rocket Hawks, ugh, aren't official yet. They're just likely. Um, when we originally tested the, the Harpies and the Rocket Hawks seven or eight months ago, the Harpy only barely won out against fighters. It was what it could do against other fleet comps that made it the, the obvious choice. But um, it depends on how goons continue to evolve their tactics. But, I mean, we already knew how we'd play this SS fighter thing if they did it. It's it's a stupid thing that they're doing, but, um, you know, we're, we're not really worried about it. But the Rock and Hawks do... I mean, if you want to know about the 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 uh, theory crafting behind it, is it's probable that the Rocket Hawks apply more damage over time against these uh, fighters, just because they they have an easier time getting in range and maintaining range, since rockets don't really have to worry about any of that shit as long as they're within 12 kilometers. Meanwhile, Void on blasters does. So we'll see. What we're gonna do is on the next time we field harpies, we're gonna hand out like 20 or 30 Rocket Hawks to pilots and. See how they like them, essentially, and then we'll make the decision. Uh, Marius asked, Battleship Doctrine, when? Can't say with 100% certainty, but likely we will introduce one Battleship Doctrine uh, to make this really interesting. Oops. Uh, so Arc London asks, what about the server cap issue? Um, so... Let me just speak to this real quick. Is about server lag. Um, there are two different things. There is a high likelihood that the node will stop adding new people to it at a certain number, and we know it can go at least as high as 6,300, because that's what it was during the, one of the YZ9 Keepstar battles, I think. Um, and then there is something different that goes on that... In all honesty, we should have known about because we did have experience with it, but we, we kind of didn't fully understand it and we made a mistake. Mm. Is that there is a limit to the amount of people that can be added to a system at the same time. So when you try to jump too many people into a system at the same time, the server kicks some back. We are now fully aware of how this works and are able to avoid it. Um as far as the overall server cap issue of 6,300 or more, we don't know how high it can go. I'm not particularly worried about it. I don't think there will be a situation. Knowing strategically how this will play out as far as how we'll eventually get into 1DQ and then start killing 1DQ, it's not going to play out anything like the M2 battle did or any typical large-scale battle did. So... I wouldn't worry about it. It's um, Obviously, we've made one mistake before with the servers, so you're right to be uh, cautious, you know, to be skeptical. and like, you sure, Pro God? But um, 
I I know why that mistake was made, and I highly doubt it's going to happen again. Um, the organizational issues within leadership were resolved that uh, caused that problem, and they will not happen again. Oh, that's interesting. Um, find out about that. Let's see here. Yeah, a, a, a lot of questions about goon supply and logistics. Trust me, we're aware of it. That's all I'm saying. The Ram Raptor become universal doctrine ship. Yes, we should ask. Yeah, we're going to add that. Um, Major Templar, it's a good one. Now, many asked, was there any reach out from CCP about the war? I, I don't want to answer that. Our relationship with CCP devs kind of relies on us having a friendly, cordial, personal relationship. And unlike Matani, who uh, for some reason decides to constantly shit talk CCP and then wonder why they don't listen to Goon CSM members or something like that. Um, I don't see much value in that. I can sit here and talk about how these game mechanics are shit um, and not worry too much about the blowback, but uh, yeah, I'm not going to air out our personal conversations with CCP or tell them, uh, say how they go one way or the other. Hmm. All right. So what we'll do is we'll keep taking questions until the fort is dead, and then when the fort is dead, we'll hand comms over to the people to get people home. So <laughs> if you got any more questions, feel free to ask them. Please keep legacy. Trick free asked, uh, what's going on with the knit? Um, someone figure that out, please. Um, so a knit moved away towards uh, Pam Pam Space. They live in Uoman now. Uh, in it, uh, it sounded like nip or something, but it's in it. I think. No, they they kind of form out a low sec and take some fights occasionally. Well, they live out of the station. NPC station. Uh, so, uh, and it's just kind of flailing around up in a uh, Pam Pam space. Pam Pam's not really worried about it. Um, and uh, we've been able to clear out some of initiative structures on our border. We've basically got them back to their, their curse system where they stage. Um, so, and it's going to keep doing their thing. They're, they're basically doing anything they can to get content outside of this war because uh, they, they like to think there's some kind of elite alliance. But, um, you know, I, I, PanFam's got them pretty much under control and they're not fucking with us anymore. So there's that. Uh, but I'm sure they'll keep forming out of Yuma for a while. Uh, Sakura asked a very good question. What is going to happen to X-Wing Interceptors? In light of the recent nullification changes. Uh, yeah, I guess I got to look at those. Uh, we had some <laughs> suggestions from the FCs. Uh, I didn't see anything that was super amazing. Um, I would like to start using combat scepters instead, because obviously they do a shit ton more damage. Uh, but that's kind of not the same thing as X-Wings. So I don't know. We will see. Uh, the X-Wings are kind of pointless if no one's uh, fielding interceptor fleets, though, is the only thing the X-Wings do is counter other interceptor fleets. So, yeah, we'll see. Han Solo asks, are we going to make gank goon mining in high sec at any time or leave them alone? We will hunt the goon wherever they go. And there are plans for that in progress. Walderell, don't worry about that. A couple questions about this, so I'll just ask it generally. Uh, I already said this, so I don't know why you're asking it, but, but um, we had a meeting yesterday with all of Pappy, which includes all the alliances and all the, all the alliance leaderships and coalition leaderships, mostly, just coalition leadership mostly. Um, and everyone is fully 100% committed to this. 
to the to the same strategy. So yes, it's going to last a while. Yes, it's going to cost a lot of money. It will be a lot of fun battles, and no one is any less interested than anyone else in this. Glad that answered your question. Since some people, fraternity is fighting in the north the same way PanFam is fighting initiative, the same way we used to fight in our home border. Uh, everyone fights in their home sometimes, guys. Here's what it is. Permanent alliance with PanFam. This will absolutely break apart. That's what he says here. No, there will not be a permanent alliance with PanFam. This will absolutely break apart at some point after the war. Talking about Pappy. And we wouldn't have had it any other way. We wouldn't have agreed to it if this was supposed to become one big permanent thing. I mean, Fortazar is almost dead. Uh, Gibla. I don't know if we're bringing back a battleship doctrine that involves Balgorns, but maybe. They're wrapping up here. Oh, that's a nice question. Is there a ship or ship class you would like to see more use of, personally? Um, I will take that as what would I like to see you guys fly more, personally. Um... I definitely want to see a lot of flycatchers when we introduce flycatcher fleet. Um, I do need to see more in general doctrine ships. And I know a lot of you guys like to fly jackdaws and we need jackdaws. But um, if you haven't been working towards some of the main ships that we fly, we definitely need it. Um, one of the ways we're going to start getting an even further edge in these battles is if our fleet compositions are cleaner which means that we have less people in random stuff and more people in the proper doctrine ships. Um, so I, I definitely just want to see more people in doctrine ships, and if you haven't made an effort to train into those or buy them, please do so. All right, we're in the last minute or two here. Marius, if you're looking at public contracts, doc, there's always going to be scam contracts as a possibility. You just have to be careful. Um, there are alliance contracts for a lot of alliances, obviously not every legacy alliance. Just be careful when you're buying from public contracts. Make sure you check the price, check it twice. Um, and yeah, there will always be good contracts up on public too, though. Okay, last question here. Fort designed. Yeah, I see that. All right, guys. Um, Hoder said, do we need to start training the skill for the battleship sick reduction item? Uh, I don't know. I haven't done a lot of testing with that. I'm not sure it's worth it, but uh, we'll see. I don't really, like, there are so much easier ways to avoid a bomb run than just taking it in the face. Uh, so I don't know if that's a very good module. I don't get the point of it. We'll see. I mean, the only battleship doctrine that actually attempts to sick tank is nightmares, and CCP decided to make them cost a billion each. So we don't, we're not going to use that anymore. Yeah. Which, uh, yeah, it's not official test pilots, but um, super secret leaks. I don't see us using nightmares very often. Okay, that's the end of the recording, and uh, no surprise there. If but yeah, uh, these are done, so I'm going to hand it off to the two FCs on each comms uh, legacy pilots listening. All right, we. This is absolutely the end here. And Shatter, test pilots, listen to Jeremy, and we'll get you home. Thanks for coming, guys. Sounds like an airline pilot there, doesn't he? Uh, yeah, faction ships, especially battleships, have gone way up in price. They used to range anywhere from. Uh, I'm going to leave Balgorn the outlier off, but anywhere from 400 million to seven to 800 million, and that was where they sat for a long time. And at that price, and with the availability that was there, you could actually have full fleets of Macarials, for instance, for a long time. 
And that wasn't really how they were supposed to be used. They're pirate ships. They're supposed to be used uh, in small amounts, and they're supposed to be much more powerful than their counterparts. They're faster. They hit harder or whatever. And so with the new changes to production, they have gone up in price to about a billion or more, and they'll hover right about there. And then it doesn't become cost-effective because the advantage you're getting for that price just isn't worth it. So not only is Tess going to drop their Nightmare Fleet, which he basically just said they were going to do, but I think you'll see a lot of faction ships in NullSec uh, become used uh, useful in a different way, not as a full fleet. Could be wrong, but uh, we'll, we shall see. All right, so there you have it. That was the end of Town Hall for Legacy Coalition. You heard Pro God Legend talking. And before that, you heard the fireside chat over the weekend from uh, the Matani. Both were recorded at the same time on Sunday, just yesterday. And I think the takeaways from the fireside were that they are going to keep to themselves on the CSM ballot, create something that is just their guys on the ballot. It's going to be Goonswarm and Friends. And the friend is Brisk, which was kind of funny. So that's their exception. And uh, it's it's going to be a ticket that they vote with it's, with it where it's just them. And they have like six Karma Fleet candidates. So they'll probably want to just um, reward those guys as a symbol. But in reality, the vote trading they did before wasn't really that effective. And um, they don't really have allies to trade with right now anyway. Because unlike the Tranquility Trade Center where money's involved, CSM isn't quite the same thing. So war before CSM, Tranquility Trade Center before war. That's the, the order. Money before war. Okay. Uh, and on the other side of it, um, but the other thing that Matani did, sorry, I forgot to say this, was he rewarded his guys lavishly, praising them, saying it's really good to be able to do a fireside, you know, where I don't have to like, you know, uh, her flurf. And that's because of you guys. You did a great you did a great job this week. If we could do it for two more weeks, you know, we'll really set them back. Uh, I think at the very end, he exaggerated a little and said, we'll break their necks. You know, basically, you know, we will break this coalition. They'll go home. They'll get tired. They'll break up or whatever uh, after two more weeks or maybe a bit more. And then you go to the town hall. Uh, it's happening at the same time, so they're not answering each other. And their whole strategy is, we're going to be patient. We're going to take this slow. There's no reason for us to do anything. We're actually moving into our new home. So, you know, we're not in a hurry to go anywhere else. And uh, they're, they're basically going to try. They said in the last few weeks, it's, I think it's been three weeks since this uh, assault started, they've been figuring things out on how they want to attack. They've been trying some things. And the latest thing that we heard on both sides is attacking fighters. Now, I think they're destroying T2 fighters. And those are hard to rebuild. They're, they're, they're not expensive necessarily, but they're just hard. And so it's kind of a pain to rebuild them. And I think the T2 fighter is necessary in some degree. I don't know why yet. I'll try to figure that out. So uh, the, as ProGod said, the Matani put out a pinks and we're using SS fighters instead. Uh, and as a replacement and... I think uh, ProGod laughed it off as not really making a difference. I don't understand uh, that yet, but I'll try to figure it out. But that's where the that's where the real tug of war is happening right now. Are we destroying all of Imperium's fighters? 
yes or no, because that's the objective. Actual physical objectives in the systems, like taking over territory, taking over moons, taking over or taking down structures, none of that stuff is really happening, except I think that Pappy did take two moons where they could put up their own POS, play around star bases. Um, but what ProGuard was saying is that we don't really want to try to capitalize on any of that stuff because whenever we go forward, we have to go with all our weight, with all our dedication. And uh, if not, whatever progress you make, they're just going to roll back. So instead of giving them that win of rolling back progress, they're just not going to make progress in the first place until they're ready to really go all in. And that's kind of what you've seen in this war. There's been a... Um, a few times I'm thinking of the Aquarius invasion where they really just rapidly went in with everything they had. They saw an opening, they took advantage of it, but then they followed up with everything. And it wasn't just like, well, that's a forward operating base. Let's see how it does. It was like, no, bring everybody. We're camping here. When T5Z was uh, put down the very next day, everybody was on their way moving there. So all that weight gets in there and really solidifies that position. It's very interesting to watch. And I think there's that's the same strategy with uh, 3TAC-D, which is the basically the entrance system to the 1DQ constellation, which is what needs conquering for this war to be over on the Pappy side of thing. So that's that. These are what the leaders are saying uh, as of May, and we will do this again in two weeks when uh, a town hall by Legacy re-emerges, and we'll compare that to the fireside. All right, guys. I hope you had fun. I did. It's nice listening to all this uh, strategy and what's going on. We'll be back tomorrow with more talking in stations. Until then.